Welcome to Hellbent for Riot Act, a collaboration between Riot Act, the alternative music podcast, and Hellbent for Metal, the LGBTQ plus heavy metal podcast. And together, we are the podcast combination that likes nothing better than seeing four or five lovely guys whip out their instruments and move their hands up and down vigorously. Uh, that's how your internet is, history is dominated, right, guys? Back me up on this. I can back you up on that. Yes, mate. Happy to happy to admit to that as soon as we get going. Definitely. I don't know where these rumours have come from about me. What about you liking guitar music? Hmm. Like, but you like seeing guitar, seeing people play guitars vigorously and drums. That's what I was talking about, right? But don't yeah, know what you sure. were thinking about. Just like a load of the euphemisms we'll get to later. Mm-hmm. Just like we'll get to that later. If there is this, we might as well just start straight away, frankly, given what's, what's coming up. <laughs> oh, it's good to be here, guys. It's good to be here. Yes. Uh, yeah, just to... Um, but, uh, just in case anyone isn't clear what's going on, start. let's start by clarifying things for the Riot Act listeners who are wondering who the fuck these other two goons are. Uh, we are Hellbent for Metal, the LGBTQ plus heavy metal podcast. We operate in partnership with NotFest. Um, what we do should be pretty obvious because it's like the, the elevator pitch was not complicated for our show. Um, I'm Tom Dare, enchanté. Um, that's me about the last French you'll hear out of my mouth the rest of the show. Um, and my friend here with the deep voice in the East Midlands accent, who I would like to say a huge welcome back to because he's been off on his travels since the end of fucking May, is Mr. Matt Rushton. Welcome back, mate. You have no idea how the fuck I've missed you. Oh, well, that's cute, isn't it? It's a hell of a show to bring me back to as well, because this is going to be an adventure. It is. Well, I, 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 we could just bring, bring you back on any kind of ordinary, boring old old HBFM. We had to do something interesting. So uh, we had to do something special to, to welcome our, our beloved co-host back. Um, and we should probably let let Steve uh, introduce his podcast to and who he is to any HBFMers who are, are being sadly unfamiliar with your excellent work. Uh, thank you, mate. Yes, it's me, Stephen Hill, off of the Riot Act podcast. Um, this is episode two hundred and six. We do, alt- I mean, you called us the alternative music podcast, Tom. Although I have to say, over the last sort of couple of months, last six months or so, people have been questioning our alternative motives. So, if you are somebody who is um, you know, not checked us out for a year or so and to suddenly go to scroll back for our last few episodes and see Harry Styles and Beyonce being reviewed. Um, that's kind of the, the way that we're going at the moment, to be perfectly honest. I mean, to be fair, the U2 thing kind of gave that away a while back. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, that that's absolutely fine. I'm happy to... to, to you can blame... You 2 get blamed for a lot of stuff. If they get blamed for ruining my podcast, it's hardly the worst thing they've been blamed for. So I'm cool Definitely with that. Not. <laughs> Definitely not. So, uh, yeah, so, we, you know, we do sort of music reviews and chat and stuff. And I'm trying to, to craft uh, a podcast which incorporates as much music as possible. And I've always been somewhat fascinated with what's going to be the crux of this week's podcast. And I've always wanted to do something about it. So, um I thought, who can I do it with? And you were the guys. You were absolutely the guys. It just felt, it just felt right, Tom and Matt. It just felt right to kind of bring you into my bosom at this time. I can't possibly think why. I can't. Yeah, I can't think why. You've, I mean, to be fair, you follow me on Twitter. You've seen how, seen what I yeah. get like on a certain night in May. Um, I have to be quite <laughs> careful on that on which uh, day of the week that falls because I mean it's always on Saturday, but what we're about to talk about always happens very near my better half's birthday and that when we first started going out 
I, I was really keen on the thing we were about to talk about. He wasn't so much, and I like had to explain to him that no, this would be a fun way to spend your birthday with me getting drunk and tweeting cattily about what we're about to talk about, uh, which he now joins in with. He now thinks it's great too. So, should we reveal what it is that this podcast is going to be mostly about this week, or because you're being quite coy, Tom? I am being quite coy. Should we uh, whip it out and let everyone ha- take a good long look? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, do that definitely. Yeah, we are going to be talking about the Eurovision Song Contest, specifically from the gay metaler angle, which is you know me but we're also there is a very specific by reason as well which we're uh, looking at it this week because uh, well in, on this show in specifically we're not just going to talk about eurovision every week i mean if, there are certain people who listen to hbfm who probably quite like that don't worry if that you're not one of them we're not talking about them next show but uh we'll get to ex- the exact reasons why a little bit later we will uh we should also say as well we've got other things that we're going to be talking about we've got new music that we're going to be chatting about from muse yes. soil work ether coven um and uh i just need to say before we go any further i want to say a big thank you hope you gents don't mind to our sponsors at riot act which is the Gent music festival the Gent music festival i just called it i'm not sure they've ever been referred to as that before but um last week was Gent, and i've seen nothing but unfortunately i couldn't make it down there but I've seen nothing but good things about the festival. It looked amazing. Um, they're still sponsoring us. They're going to be coming back in 2023. It was, um, by all accounts, a pretty awesome weekend. Just talked to Matt Mills the other day, who was down there, who was on one of our uh, review podcasts, and he said he had a fantastic time. And if you went... Yeah, but of course he did. Cult of Luna were playing. Of course Everything he did. else could have been shitty would have had a brilliant time. Of course Matt he did. Mills. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But if you go to arctangent.co.uk forward slash tickets... You, you might well be able to buy a ticket for 2023. Just chance your arm, put the code RIOTACTATG into the code and you get 10% off of a ticket for the finest post-rock, post-metal festival on the planet. So thanks to them for sponsoring us. Well, you should also say, Matt, what did you think of Arctangent? Because you went. Yeah, it was fucking sick. It was my first time. Um, and it's probably the best festival I've ever been to. Just wow. like the whole vibe of it, the crowd, um, the bands were fucking incredible. Like I was saying beforehand, like the lineup was so me. Like, I couldn't have picked a better festival lineup myself. Just so how much of that sets. again? Like, how much of that was just that Leprous were playing and you could you know sit at the back nursing a semi? Leprous didn't make my top three sets of the weekend, which was quite a surprise actually. Were they ill? No, they were fucking incredible. But uh, Emma Ruth Ronda was my set of the weekend. She was fucking stunning. Um, Zealand Ard were incredible. Skin Failure. Um, Steve, I know you're a big Black Peaks fan. That's Will's new band. Mm-hmm. They were fucking amazing. I think that was like the first show proper. Yeah, I've only heard a little bit of Skin Failure, but um, it's it's fucking cool. And Will's got an incredible set of pipes. Oh, I didn't know you went to that, yeah. mate. I'm glad to hear that you had a good time. So there you go. Look, don't just take my word for it. Proof. Proof <laughs> that it is a great festival. Yeah, well, I was really hoping to go as well, but it's the other end of the country from me, and I'm not very well, so you know, that's a bit me on mm. me right now. Next year, though, next year, unless well, unless they decide to completely change the festival and make it like totally different to, in every aspect, I will be there. I mean, I have been pushing for that Duran Duran. I will not giving this up, by the way. <laughs> I want that Duran Duran Arctangent headline set. I mean, I just think it, you know that they fit the bill so well. 
Hey, I, someone who isn't me has already been bullying them to get unrequited next year. If that happens, I will be. I will chain myself to the front the moment the d- festival opens and not move until he comes on because I will just like weep happy tears for uh, the entire set if it if that exists. Wouldn't that be like his first ever show though? Like he doesn't play live. I right? know, but the, I think he might increase and might find that hard to do, hard to continue. I, the, mm. There is now demand for people to see. It. There, I've seen a number of people say. We want uh, want unrequited at X festival, and it's not it's not no, just it's... me saying please get them to something that's very near to me, so I can go and see him twenty minutes from my house. It's people saying I will travel internationally to come and watch him in this other place, which is not Canada. That X festival was in X fest that they used to do at the Astoria for Kerrang um, back in the nineties. Is that what, the X fest you're talking about? Yes, Steve, because I'm in my forties. <laughs> oh the 90s um speaking of art tangent as well since we were i feel like this is quite a nice little segue to something that i was going to mention i don't know if you guys have heard this but it seems clear to me that the events of what have happened today would probably mean one of art tangents potential would-be headliners might now be on because botch just released a new song today is that the first, first song in song. 23 years, did I say? 20, 20 years, exactly. 20 years. So Anthology of Dead Ends in 2002 was the last EP they came out. And like, yeah, 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 they put a B-Sides album out. Yeah, 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 they put a live album out. But this is the first proper new botch song since Anthology of Dead Ends in 2002. And I know for a fact that James, who does Arc Tangent, uh, like many people I'm sure who go to Arc Tangent, are fucking obsessed with botch and would love to get them as a headliner. Um... I love all of that shit from that kind of late 90s into the first part of the new millennium sort of weird, uh, jarring, angular, hardcore-y, metallic-y, hardcore stuff. I know you like some of it, Tom. Yeah, um, some of it is is like up there with the most important music I've ever heard. Like, If someone wants to talk to me about Poison the Well, that will be a very long conversation. Yeah. And Converge, obviously, yeah. fucking epochal band one of a kind one of the most important bands has ever been uh, botch kind of uh, when the news came out that botch had done another song i went why don't i have an opinion on botch i'm sure i've listened to them <laughs> i've got 30 seconds into one song and went and that's why they remind me of all the stuff that i didn't like when i was 17 okay well i mean you know we are the romans i think is one of the all-time great records from that scene and um the people i know who saw them back in the day said they were fucking incredible live i mean i've got pretty much everything they've ever done i was pretty excited about this but again having on right act we've spoken a lot about bands coming back in the law of diminishing returns uh the new song that they've got is called 122 um it's about two minutes long makes me think that this being the first thing they do as a reformation they're going to make an album i would imagine um matt are you is this your kind of bag at all botch what what's your thoughts on them um, I remember listening to them maybe like a decade ago, trying to sort of get into that sort of scene, but a lot of it wasn't really clicking for me at that time. I think I was a bit too early for it. Uh, yeah. I did like the Bled a lot though. So are they like similar to the Bled much? I mean, I guess they're from a similar sort of scene. Yeah, I think the Bled came a little bit later. I think mm-hmm. Botcher were kind of way ahead of their time for most of them. I mean, you, the Bled, you're looking at like, what, 2002, 2003, where mm. Botch were around releasing records in 1997. So I think they're quite ahead of it. Um, I don't know if either of you guys got a chance to listen to this song. No. I've not, no. 
came out this morning um, and it's a band right. I don't like. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah um, I mean, listen. Does it sound like botch? Well, it sounds like a sort of weathered version of botch. Right. And I think that's sort of okay, right? I mean, it's 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 okay, I think. I mean, I, I would hate to judge it on the basis of, you know, uh, just two. I wouldn't want to write them off after just listening to two minutes of it and go, oh, it's not as good as the best album they ever made. I think that's quite an unrealistic expectation uh, for you to go into, right? Like, that's a sort of silly thing to think. Um, yeah, the only band that I can think of that's done that is Sleep. Like, the Sleep comeback, I mentioned this in the last show, the Sleep comeback record was just fucking brilliant. And you went, well, why haven't you done that sooner? But then you think, oh, the, the, the At The Gates comeback record was incredibly ordinary and you don't want ordinary from At The Gates. So, I think there's a few There's a few in rock. I mean, I always mention Failure. I think Failure are probably like the 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 band that I would look at and go, that is as good as anything they'd ever put out. But yeah, they're few and far between. You rarely get a band reforming and it being as good as the kind of glory years. And I think this obviously isn't. I think that's sort of understandable. I would love to see it live. I would definitely love to see it live. Um, but in terms of new material, I would say the jury is still out um, on the basis of this two-minute, 16-second-long song. And I think that's fine. Uh, it's hard to recapture the energy of you as a 22, 23-year-old when you're in your kind of mid 40s i think so i don't know i'm not even sure the world needed this to happen at all you know i mean i really want to see it but i look at refused sort of 10 years after their reformation and i'm just like maybe you should have just done one tour so (laughs) i could have gone saw it anyway off we go so i don't know i'm a bit I'm, i'm approaching it with caution put it that way is it a little bit reminiscent of when like Metallica had not done an album for a very long time and they said, yeah, it's going to be a really angry album. We're trying to recapture the energy of the early albums. We went, yeah, hang on. You're like parents, multimillionaires, and most of you have ha- have like gone sober because you have a substance abuse problem. You cannot recapture the energy you had when you were 19 and really drunk and really pissed off and had had a horrible childhood that you were still trying to recover from where you had no money and you just kind of well apart from Lars and you just kind of plugged your guitars into a an amp and just gone let's play the angriest shit we can that sounds like Venom okay you can't they couldn't recapture that and that's why anger was such a steaming turd right is it kind of like that if they weren't really lazy musicians um I mean I don't even know if it's really like that I mean I think you've got people you know like members like so dave nudson's been in minus a bear who i really like uh we reviewed on right act last week reviewed the new russian circles which got brian cook in it and obviously russian circle you know that's a great record and um so i think that you know they're capable of it's just this particular thing i don't think it's bad enough to compare certainly not bad enough to compare it to st anger do you know what i mean like it's certainly like a million miles away from being like oh my god i just think i listened to it and i was like okay i mean i don't really know what i expected i think like fair play to him for getting a new song out but i would have quite liked a botch kind of um uh reformation tour with all the classics before we got into kind of new material land personally but that's just me you know i don't think it's a terrible song but it hasn't made me go oh my god when the new botch drops it's gonna be fucking amazing but then i do also think that even approaching it with that point of view is probably a little bit unrealistic anyway so you know we'll see matt what were you going to say sorry 
Uh, yeah, you say about Art Tangent, like, are they actually big enough to headline that, or would that just be more of a because they've been away for so long, people want to see it like that? Oh, it, it, what's the uh, oh, we you would need to tell us what the age profile of the crowd was at the weekend because that's going to answer your question. Because bots are like, if you're 35 to 45, bots are incredibly important. If you're 25, it's a bit less so. And I, from what I've heard, there would probably be more. Momentum behind Ithaca headlines. Yeah, I guess. Set, even though they only it was like twenty time. to forty-five, fifty sort of thing. It's quite okay. Quite so they probably they were, if if in that case, I would guess there probably is some kind of momentum mm. behind it. Then because my Twitter feed this morning was just dozens of people saying botch, 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 and nothing. I think for Arctangent, which is not a massive festival, like in terms of the amount of people that go. I mean, look, they're not going to fucking rock up at download or glastonbury and headline the pyramid stage or anything obviously but i think they could probably headline i think there's enough people who are old enough that go to go to that festival i mean look you know it's look at the headliners from this year you know cult of luna have been around pretty much the same sort of time as them so have opeth so you know they're they're yeah. but although those bands have carried on and they've argued you know, not even arguably they've they've got bigger through the albums that they've released not by being this kind of mysterious thing i think botch would be able to do it once i think you get yeah. that kind of mysterious yeah. thing surrounding yeah. you like oh my god i've heard all about this band no one's ever seen it like you know they did like a handful of uk shows supporting the dillinger escape plan back in sort of 1999 2000 and that and then they you know they never came back over again so hardly anyone's ever seen them they were a support band if they did see them uh no one really was going oh my god botch when they were together it was after they split up a bit like you know i think refused a quite a good uh, comparative point although refused they're a band capable of making sort of you know new noise was covered by crazy town and anthrax so they were capable of and was played on 24 like that ain't happening to botch so it's definitely a much niche thing i don't think they'll be doing two nights at the forum like refused did i think they're more likely to do say you know for for, for our people who aren't london london centric listening they could play the electric ballroom which holds sort of just over a thousand people i think that would be the ceiling for botch if they came back personally so it's a bit like a kind of an angular hardcore version of Merciful Fate headlining Bloodstock. Like you can do it the once because you're a legendary band in terms of importance, but if you keep running, you're going to slide down the bell quite quickly because you can't sell that many tickets over a sustained period. Absolutely. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, so but you know, we'll see. We'll see, I guess. Uh the other thing I was going to mention to you guys, I don't know if you saw this news at all, but um Stuart Anstis, formerly of Cradle of Filth passed away earlier this week at the age of 48 which is very sad news indeed i think um you know m- big part of the the sort of the, the i think the breakthrough years of cradle of filth i mean i would imagine i'm not the biggest cradle fan of the three of us um sort of looking at you there tom i think that's matt yeah. oh matt it's probably uh, matt's much bigger than i am i think i like cradle but Whenever me and Matt have spoken about Cradle, I've suddenly gone, I'm just going to let you talk because you know more about this than me. Yeah, I brought on their last album and you were like really surprised. It was like the wrong way around. I should have been your pick. But no, I love Cradle. Um, they were like one of the first one of the first extreme bands I ever got into. Them, um, Black Dahlia Murder, obviously a very different genre, but like it was when I was, I don't know, 12 and I was listening to like sort of shit metalcore, um, but also Cradle of Filth and Black Dahlia. Um, so yeah, I got onto them on I think Dark Be Dark Be Venus Aversa, which is one of those that's like shat on, but 
I don't know if it's like... I love that record. Yeah, it's that's fucking one, sick, That's isn't probably it? my favourite Grateful record, actually. Wow, okay, I did not Which see that not, coming. <laughs> it's not a credible thing to say, but, you know, the better production helped them enormously. Yeah, well, I, I just thought it might have been because that was the album that I got into them on, and sometimes you have that with bands, but, okay, if you're saying that, then, yeah, cool. No, that definitely... I think that was about my seventh or eighth Gradle record at that point, so it was definitely not that. Yeah. But, well, but you know, I did see this. I mean, it's it's a kind of... It's an interesting period that he was in the band really because he wasn't the like he wasn't the right the start when they literally played on a as main support on a tour with Emperor in a pub in Glasgow a pub in Edinburgh sorry which had nine people and a dog in attendance and was kind of like one of the most legendarily tiny shows by a band who then got massive he wasn't there for that but at the same time he wasn't there when they did like her ghost in the fog and it were on Kerrang TV every fucking hour back in the you know, early noughties so he kind of he wasn't there for the, the big explosion either he was there for the the bit where they were kind of they were growing and they were notorious but at the same time we're already starting to get a bit of pushback from the kind of the well, one from black metal in its core dying on its ass and also for them being kind of much more interesting and complicated than people wanted black metal to be it's like oh go back to sounding Norwegian no fuck off um, and so it's kind of it's the bit which is credible and really good, but not the bit that's super super credible. Which kind of is tribute to the musicians who were in the band at the time because they were just doing it because they were really good at it and liked it. So it would it, it is very sad news that someone from that era has passed. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, look, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm the biggest fan of Cradle of Filth or whatever, but I, I mean, I would say Cruelty and the Beast, which is one of the albums he's played on, would probably be my favourite Cradle of Filth record. Um, and, you know, who's on Dusk in Her Embrace, which is probably the first time I heard them as well. And I think if you go back, if you were buying kind of Kerrang! and Metal Hammer back in that era when they were starting to break through, the band then with Danny, you know, Nick Barker on drums, Les Lecter-Smith on keys and Stuart as well. That to me is a time where they most felt like, you know, a, a, an entire band of personalities rather than just Danny as the sort of dictator and then other people sort of surrounding him. So I think for that, like... I used to look at Cradle of Filth and feel really kind of quite scared of them, you know, but not scared like absolutely, but I was like, they're weird, you know, that you knew their faces. And I think like the, the sort of the, the image that of them as this kind of out of control black metal band kind of creeping into the mainstream that was going on at the time was, was really unique. And it wasn't just like the Danny Filth show, which I think it became, you know, for, for a few years in, in the aftermath of all of those people leaving. Um, so I think, you know, he like just hearing that today and putting on um, Cruelty and the Beast and just being like, oh, yeah, like, I remember kind of hearing this the first time. And I remember how Cradle felt a lot bigger than they actually were. I think they had a bigger profile than their ticket sales would have suggested. And I think... You know, Stuart would have played a big part in that, both musically and visually and image and just the, the kind of everything that made Cradle feel like this really kind of weird, dangerous gang at the time. So, yeah, it was a sad thing to hear, I thought. It was also kind of the, the last time that they were quite like that because after the people that you talk about left and you had Paul Allender come in and he yeah. he was there for a very long time and he was really, really fucking good and wrote a lot of brilliant songs 
but at the same time, the band somehow lost something in terms of the perception of them. I don't think that that's anything musical. Like my feeling is that actually Paul Allender's contribution was really important, and that the if you were to just kind of listen to them to everything they've done in sequence now, you wouldn't kind of notice that there's this big like we're going to drop the quality and sounding mainstream at all after that period. But it's certainly in terms of the perception, was that because her ghost in the fog happened, and you must remember that when you just could not turn on Kerrang TV without seeing her ghost in the fog. Oh yeah, half an hour, right? Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it was mad. It was it felt like yeah. the maddest thing in the world to see that shit on daytime music television alongside like Alien Ant Farm and yeah. fucking Mudvayne and what? Do you know, Uncle it was, Some forty one. Yeah, Uncle Cracker. Yeah, I mean, seeing Uncle Cracker felt mad. That was pretty horrifying. Point, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like them getting that big just because they did get that big somehow, like it, it changed the notoriety. The notoriety went from being something that was notorious within metal to being something that was notorious within popular culture. But within metal, that it was kind of yeah, it's Cradle of Filth, of course it is. Yeah, Jesus is kind of yeah, we know. Um, yeah, that was kind. Of, there was a change in perception, whereas the Stuart Anstis era, it kind of it did it it had that credibility still. To a lot of people, I know there's going to be the like, the people who were tape trading black metal records in 1992 would not agree with that. But for most people, that wasn't your perception at all because there were like 400 people doing that, and then there were thousands who were listening to the stuff that Cradle were doing when he was in the band. So it is a is a very special era of a really fucking big band for British metal. Particularly remember, right? British extreme metal at that in the period that he was in the band up to. Um, probably about 2010. Reputation wasn't very good. Like you no. had them, you had Akakoka and a couple of other bands, but Mistress. Um, but the, the the perception of of like this country overall for that kind of thing was not great. And then you had Cradle who would go abroad, and maybe not to Norway, but you had Cradle who would go abroad and be incredibly well received and be very very popular. And that's you know, that's not something to underestimate. Being the being a band that is really well regarded internationally at a point your local scene is regarded as a bit of a joke internationally is actually really important. And they kind of they were the poster boys and the pillars of extreme metal in this country for a, for a lot longer than I think is given credit. I think it's fairly rare as well for someone to be in a band for a relatively little time. He was only in there for a few years, but he was on like two of the most important albums because I think the debut of the Principal Made Flesh was like showing promising signs. But then it was Dusk and Her Embrace where it? people, yeah, I think it was Dusk and Her Embrace, which was obviously his first album, where people were probably like, yeah, this is, this is a very good band. And then you know, Cruelty and the Beast, like you said, Steve, it's, it's your favorite. It's one of most people's favorite. It's always like at the top of the lists when people sort of put their rankings together. So, so a lot of influence. Yeah, sad news. Very very sad. So yeah, yeah R.I.P. Stuart. Just thought we'd mention that. Well, with the news um, rounded up. We are going to start the show in earnest, and we're going to do it by swishing in absolutely unbelievable outfits into the freshly deep-cleaned Hakeru Gay Bar because they finally got rid of the glow stick incident, the remains of that that happened last week. Listen to last week's show if you're not what I'm talking about. Uh, but Or if you're listening to from the Riot Act side of things, this is the reviews bit. 
God, why is, we sound really boring compared to your podcast. Jesus. Well, I, I just got... I'll tell you what happened, is that I've, I've been trying to kind of theme the podcast more strongly so that people kind of know what's coming before it starts, so that they can kind of... If I go off on one, they know that Tom's going to go off on one in a minute, rather than just be kind of, what the fuck has happened here? Um, Matt's brought in a Merle record again. Um, and it was Joe Narn's last show. Hello, Joe, if you're listening. Um, and I just went... Should we just do this? It's like we're chatting, sitting around the table in the gay bar putting new albums into the jukebox. Yeah, cool, let's do that. And I, I kind of liked it, and it gave me the opportunity to make rude jokes, which you know I, I'm fond of, so I stuck with it. I'm about um, to make some very rude jokes, to be honest. So Yeah, yeah I know you on. are, and I know what you're going to do it about as well. Um, for the HBFM regulars, this you know what this bit is. It's the Heavy Metal Gay Bar we come to every week to update the jukebox with new stuff that we're nuts about. Although there is a slight change to that, as Steve suggested, we talk about the big release of the week from Riot Acts World and others. Um, even before we knew it, we thought of it, and I know exactly what Steve's thought of it. What are we talking about, Mr. Hill? Well, I'm really sorry to do this, man, because we've had so many fucking good albums that have come out over the last few weeks and months and stuff. And I actually think that, you know, 2022 as a, as a, as a year is starting to accelerate with some excellent releases. And so... <laughs> I have brought in, uh, and I'm delighted that it was sent to us in advance. Thank you so much to, to Phoebe who sent it to all of us in advance. Um, I'm not sure she's going to be that happy with this come the end of it, though. It's a new album by Muse, The Will of the People, which is the ninth studio album from the superstar Devon prog rock lads and the follow-up to 2018's truly abysmal Simulation Theory album. Um, lads, this is a big release, but Just if anyone... Bit, yeah, yeah. But if anyone who knows anything about our podcast, my podcast, sort of in the past or me at all, really, will know I fucking hate Muse. Uh, I don't like Muse, really. So this is a hard sell for me, I have to say. How about you? As in in the past? Just, I, I mean, yeah. I, well, in the, I, I'll give you, before I say what I think of this album, in the run up to them going a little bit into a, an era that wasn't I wasn't keen on. I fucking loved Muse. I mean, I, Showbiz I kind of liked, and then Origin of Symmetry happened, and I went, I fucking love this, and I really liked that. Absolution I thought was wicked. Black Holes and Revelations is one of my favourite ever records. It's a really strangely structured album, full of some really like interesting but very inc accessible music. It finishes on a prog metal epic. Any album that does that, I'm it, like it, it. That's my territory. Um, the Resistance I was kind of alright with, and then they did two albums that weren't really for me, and the last one I kind of skipped, which apparently was quite a good decision. Um, I, I skipped it more because I was ill, rather than I, I just didn't care, but I, I never caught up with it, because I looked at the album cover and went, nah. Um, so that, that's that's how where I come from. So they, they're a band who I used to love, who went seriously off the boil for me quite a long time ago. Matt? Um, yeah, I... I sort of never really made my mind up how I felt about Muse, um, but I this was the first Muse album that I've listened to in full in at least a decade. Like I've tried with them, with a few of them since. It's just not gone very well. Um, <clears throat> and I also don't like Matt's voice, which I know is pro like probably a, quite a controversial thing, but because you know he's classically trained. And oh all no, that, it, but I just think not, he's mate. a shit Tom York. Really, <laughs> two thousand and one. Yeah, 
absolutely everyone was saying, oh, I really like Muse, but I don't like Matt Bellamy's voice. Now I was saying, but I quite like it. Yes, it's very high, but I like that sometimes. And it, like, I was I was out there on my own being like, yes, I, I am one of the few people who will listen to Newborn and at the start where he goes really slow and really high. And yeah, there's not much breath support and really enjoy it. Um, it's just it's just a bit much, isn't it? It's just a bit theatrical, which I guess sort of so would explain much. why you why you might like it. It is so much. I mean, we did do a classic album on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash right podcast. If you want to listen to my sheer exhaustion at having to talk about Origin of Symmetry, <laughs> we did talk about Origin of Symmetry, which Renfrey uh, decided was a classic album. I listened He's to right. it and I I was I kind of went well, you know, objectively there are bits of this that I think are very, very well done. I think there are bits of it that are just bewildering, absolutely bewildering. The only Muse album that I think from front to back I would go, that's a good album, is probably Absolution. I think Black Holes and Revelations has some good stuff on it. Um, apart from that, and I think Origin Symmetry's got some good stuff on it as well. Apart from that, I mean, I don't, I, I, I'm just, I just don't really care enough. And I did listen to that last one and we did review it and we weren't very nice about it. And I fear... I fear that I'm going to have a meltdown. I'm about to have a meltdown. Don't stop on our account. I'm just going to, I've been kind of, I'm aware that just by allowing you to do this, I've already lit the, you know, the blue touch paper. I've been standing well back for the best part of three days now. So Okay, well, let's get into it then. So the first song, right? So every song on this record sounds like a bad version of another song. And some of the songs that it sounds like bad versions of aren't even good aren't even good in the first place. Luckily, the first song, The Will of the People, which is The Beautiful People by Marilyn Manson, but yes. like done yep. by the Power Rangers or something. Do you know yep. what I mean? Like it's rubbish. And well, it's, it's done kind by a band of, that likes Queen a lot, right? Yeah. And I, I just was like, if Tenacious D released this, you'd go, oh, hmm. Don't know about this, Tenacious D. It's not that funny. But with Muse, you sort of go, are you serious? Like so much of this album, I'm like, are you being serious? Is this actually? Because I honestly have got to the point, having listened to it four or five times, I don't know if they're if we're being fucking trolled here. I don't know. Are we being trolled here? Because I don't think Muse would do that. But then also, how could they let this slide? It is worth saying that whatever I think of Muse, past, present, future, the start of first song in this album is laugh out loud funny and i don't think that it, it, it's entirely mm. intentional it is like it's so overblown and ridiculous and over the top i have the same reaction to the start of it that i have listening to stuff like rhapsody of fire for the first time where they just will have like flute solo out of nowhere for no reason it, it is really overcooked and i i there is no, I, I you would have to be quite stony-faced and quite like totally serious about prog with a capital P to not think the start of this album is funny because it's funny. Fair? Oh, it's so like, funny. Not, I don't think they oh, mean so it to funny. be funny either. Well, I don't know because I had the sort of same thing as you, Steve. Like, it just seems like they're a sort of novelty band at this point. It's like they just seem to be taking the piss out of the listeners because, yeah, this is hilarious and it's got so much weird shit. Like, why is there a Halloween song in the middle of the album? And oh, like that's that's thriller. That. Oh, that's you said point oh, this out. Well, and you're so right. Thriller. It's thriller. It's like it's no, it's like fucking spooky, scary skeletons bullshit with like all the keys and the fucking vocal effects and like just just the last song 
like calling a song "We Are Fucking Fucked" and like that <laughs> melody, and then it ends like the last line in it is "Hey, hey, hey, fuck off," which essentially sums up my feelings towards the album. It's fucking dog shit, isn't it? Do you want to know who that? Do you want to know who that last song reminds me of? And I mean this quite seriously. Bring me the horizon. Back when they were trying to be like really yeah. edgy and confrontational. Anti this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I did yeah. just go. Because like, I, I have this thing where I sometimes go, you have to check what your perception of the music is based on. Is it based on who the band are? Because I have certainly had bands that I've kind of, I've listened to and I've gone, am I taking against this because your music is poo? Or am I taking against this because I don't like you? Because you have said and done things in the that have nothing to do with the, the creative process that I really object to and that's caused me a problem. In this case, I went, well... Do I think that that song is a bit cringe because it's a 45-year-old guy in a really successful rock band who's from Devon and he's writing a song like he is a 20-year-old student who's incredibly poor and whose energy bill is about to go up 400% and is worrying if they're going to eat next week? No, no, it's just cringe. It's, it's just, it wouldn't matter who yeah. wrote that song. That like. I don't. I don't. We malo- are fucking fucked. <laughs> I was. A- what is that? Well, it's Muse. That's just. That's it just is Muse. Muse. Melody. Like, if you don't like that melody, there's no. There's no Muse for you. That's just- melody. Bad melody plus unbearable, like lyrics together. Uh, equals Muse. Well, you said Steve that we should talk about this, um, and it, and at the same time told me what you thought about it. As I was on the way home from having a wisdom tooth extracted and a filling put into another one, right? And I was already writing the obvious joke about how painful dental surgery was more more enjoyable than this album before I'd even heard it. And then I heard it. And I can't make that joke because I bloody love it. No! Including the last song. No, I really love it. It's Muse! It sounds like Muse! Of course I'm going to love well, it. I mean, it might sound like Muse, but I mean, look. The f- the second song sounds like Night Rider, the Night Rider theme tune. The third song sounds like some somebody doing Meatloaf on X Factor. I mean, it makes some of that power metal shit you listen to sound like the fucking Circle Jerks. It's so over the top. <laughs> Won't Stand Down sounds like Run by Able Nation. You know, blame it on blame it on my ADD, baby. It sounds like that. Oh, that's very hard. It sounds exactly. It's nowhere. Well, it's nowhere near as good as that. No, song. no. Matt Bellamy can sing. Matt Bellamy can sing. Yeah, he. Oh, he can sing, but he's. And that's that's he's, that's what's why it diff, sounds different to that song. Well, I think that song is definitely better than uh, than Won't Stand Down. Um, Ghost is like some tinkly piano shit. I mean, mate, Matt Bellamy, you went Tori Amos. I mean, you went even Vanessa Colton, mate. No, it's. It, was that who you thought it was? I got Tom York. I thought he, that's kind of like yeah, but that's that's his whole thing anyway, isn't it? But he's just not a very good version. I of don't it. think Radiohead would would do a song like that at this point in their career. No, but it's like this is the thing you've got to remember is that Muse have done this throughout their careers. This isn't a new. No, thing. No, I don't think it's a new they thing. Ha- it's just a particularly they have obnoxious. It's a particularly Musey version of Muse, right? This is a band who've been doing this for a very long time. They have what they're going to do. They have their creative process, and they are just refining it and making it so they sound more like themselves than themselves. So it's anything that you do not like is going to become exaggerated over time by a band who does that. So, of course, I understand why you hate it. I mean, honestly, this the comparisons to Fugazi to this is like they are the polar opposite things. So someone who likes 
your kind of like really real stuff is going to see something that is as frivolous and ridiculous and over the top and completely daft as this and and want to throw it into the sea i on the other hand am going to hear that and go oh yes this is the kind of thing that makes you forget how awful you feel the rest of the time and that is exactly what you want to listen to right now put this on repeat okay well i tell you what as a little it, to, to kind of back you up slightly tom slightly i think there's a song in it called kill or be killed which i think is really good it's got a big kind of metal riff it's got a yep. big chorus and it sounds like muse doing all the things when people say to me oh you should like muse because it's like rage against the machine but it's also like queen no and it's proggy no and it's you like, should but... hate muse well no i and i, I should thank you muse thank are you. A, the polar opposite of everything that i know you enjoy and stand for as a music fan well to be fair there's a song called verona on it which i think is awful and it completely rips off the intro to where the streets have no name throughout the entire thing that, that, that guitar still better than you two it's not in any way better than even you two at their worst <laughs> Maybe not their worst, but even you two at their most average. Even pop is better than this, right? Um, but I want to go back to you, no, mate. It is. I think pop is better than this record because at least pop is taking a piss out of it. At least pop is aware that it's crap. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> pop is like, ah, we don't know what we're doing. Fuck it. But here's the thing: you say, you, like, you saying it's uh, crap is not an objective thing that you can say in music because it's all based on opinion, right? You can say things like out of tune. You can say things like out of time, but you know, good, bad are entirely subjective. So, what you say is—is is it intention? You know, is it aware that it's crap? Well, then other people are going to disagree with you. Is it aware that it's completely ridiculous? Of course it is. It's a muse record. I'm, uh, is it? I mean, that's, that's I, the whole point. Okay, okay so I want to go back to you. Make me feel like it's Halloween, right? Which Matt very yeah. was right to bring up as the moment where I went, what? Like particularly because uh, I was <laughs> no, like, I love that so. Song. It sounds. You say it sounds like. I say it sounds like Thriller. It actually sounds like Somebody's Watching Me by Rockwell. Right? You know that. I always feel like somebody's watching me. It's, that is exactly what it sounds like, right? Except it's got. Okay, no, that's right. Okay, it, I'll except go it's that. got people going in the background, right? <laughs> and that's a huge tune. And this, when I first listened to it, I was actually a bit embarrassed for them. I was. I actually felt like you know when you see somebody. And you're just going, oh, that's a little bit embarrassing, the thing you're doing. Like, oh. And I was like, or is this like a Flight of the Concords song? Because it does sound like something Flight of the Concords would do. And I've, it's so spectacularly misguided that it might be brilliant. Like, it might have gone so far. And I'm like, am I not in on the... Because I just look at Muse and I think they're... Ve- you know, this is this album is all about, we are fucked and the government are coming to get... And, oh, the will of the people. Okay, and yeah, that's quite All great. this kind of, like, this is, a, this is all the things that need to be said about society and blah, blah, blah. And we're making a stand as individuals. And, and, but, but then on the flip to that, you sound like a kind of darkness parody doing fucking the monster mash. Like, I don't... I don't, so I, I'm like, well, wh- which one is it? Because I'm not sure how you can be both. And that's where I'm a bit like, you're either, you are aware that it's ridiculous or you're deluded into thinking that this is some sort of important artistic statement. And on that particular song, I'm like, surely they know. But I can't tell. I genuinely can't tell. But that's the whole, that's always what they've been like. Like going back to when they did uh, the Feeling Good cover, you know, the, the Nina Simone legendary song, which mm-hmm. you know, a load of people massively po- got polarized about when they did that cover, right? From kind of as long as I've known anything about Muse seriously, 
not so much when I just heard the single of Muscle Museum, but like from when I heard Newborn onwards, right? That's always what the, it's been like. And I particularly the black holes and revelation thing is is the easiest one to point out and say they must know exactly what they're doing because otherwise they wouldn't have done that, right? Black holes and revelation start sounding incredibly seriously. Like take a bow sounds like this incredibly deep and meaningful and passionate thing which is really serious and oh my god there must be something really profound like this and then starlight kind of continues this of, of kind of sounding like someone really digging deep into their soul and then it ends on a song which is you know as i've said it's a prog metal epic about cowboys on mars and the video is one of the most ridiculous things you've ever seen and you've seen footage of muse live right yeah. you might even have i've seen, seen them live, live yeah big right? telly yeah Okay, there is no way that Matt Bellamy does that and doesn't realise that it looks ridiculous, right? In the same way that, you know, uh, Freddie Mercury going on stage in fucking bright gold um, trousers and very little else apart from a cape and a crown knew that he was completely camp and ridiculous and over the top and that there were going to be a load of gay men in the audience who went, that's one of us, right? And you don't do that unless you know exactly what you're doing. Because if you don't know what you're doing, you do something else. Because you're just going to have loads of people say, Matt, you know look, you, you know what you look like, right? And if he doesn't know by now, then either he's completely insane, which I think is very unlikely because you don't get as successful without like bad incidents as Muse have. Or you know exactly what you're doing and you're really smart. And it's entirely deliberate. And I, th- I think they know exactly what they're doing. And that's why mm. I love it. I think so. Because they like toying with their audience as well. Because if you remember a few months ago, I think the first teaser that they shared from this album was uh, they just put out like a 10 second clip. And I think it was the riff to Kill or Be Killed. And everyone went mental. It was like, oh my God, Muse are doing a metal album. And then fast forward a few months down the line and you know, there's about 30 seconds of metal. There's like 20 seconds of metal on Kill or Be Killed and then there's like 10 on Won't Stand Down and the rest of it is like, what the fuck is going on? And there's like... I mean, Tom, you might like it, but like, what about the flow of the album? Because it's just like <laughs> each track, just, just, it, just none of it fits together. But that's always like I, I keep saying this again. That has been Muse for basically as long <laughs> as I've been listening to them. That's like seriously. I put a Muse album on and it does that, and I go, oh, it's a Muse record. You know, it's hmm. like um, it's like listening to a Metallica album. The drums being rubbish. Like, yes, of course, it's a Metallica record. You either accept that or you don't like them, right? You, right, you I know can't expect the them to I'm suddenly have sitting on for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but like you can't listen to like if you whatever you thought about that last ridiculously long Metallica record, right? If you turned up to that expecting it to be forty-five minutes long, really coherent, and the drums to sound like Dave Lombardo was behind the kit, you're mad because they were never going to do that. If on the other hand you know that Lars is going to be technically really bad, but he's going to do some incredibly important things in terms of the songwriting. And that the album's going to be too long, have no discipline, and really needed someone with a pair of shears to ch- get rid of the bad bits. Well, if you don't accept that, that's you really shouldn't bother. Whereas I know going into a Muse record, this is going to be bonkers. It's going to be all over the place. It's going to be very silly and great. Yeah. That that makes me forget about how like. But I... that makes me forget that we're facing an economic disaster for forty-five minutes. And if you can do that with when we're being bombarded by all this fucking shit at the moment. I, but I, I think that's what well I think forward. that's what this album's about. Like I think it's meant to go like, come on, people, rise up! Like we're, the uprising, <laughs> and and you're going ha, Halloween, hooray! Do you know what I mean? So I <laughs> like 
I, I, I get what you're saying. And but the thing is, is I think when you listen back to, you know, I've got Black Cars and Res Revolutions. I've listened. I had to listen to Origin Symmetry five or six times when we did it as a classic album. And there were bits on it where I was like, this is way over the top in it this is way over the top but i never really questioned the kind of i think the the sonic decision making of it where i just went sometimes i think that is like quite a quite a not even a, a strange decision but quite a poor decision like some of the use of synth on this record i think is just it's a bit shonky do you know what i mean it's a bit shonky and it's not like it's trying to be this kind of 80s retro thing but it's like we're well, not carpenter brute mate you're not you're not really doing anything you, you don't seem to have that good a grasp of a, a lot of these things i'm like when i say like oh it's you know when it's oh it's crap or whatever and i said i oh, pop knew it was crap but pop knew it was a cheesy ott thing and it wasn't very good and i think they very quickly went ah you know whereas i think this is something that it kind of it's pompous to the point where you go how serious are you like really and i know you're like well he must know he must know he must know i'm sure he does know but i also do think that i don't think he's made this and gone oh people are gonna laugh their head off at this but that is what i did i just like the whole thing i mean to be fair it's shorter than the red hot chili peppers album and it is much funnier so it's not the worst album of the year not a chance um and they didn't have so far to fall as the red hot chili peppers did so it's definitely the worst album of the year but it certainly might oh no they had they had a lot well no they had a lot further to fall than red hot chili peppers because red hot chili peppers haven't released a good song um well i don't know about that but it might well i hate that band. yeah oh, mate, I, so I, do i i, 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 I as if you i'm no i ain't sticking up for red hot chili peppers fuck that but um <laughs> this might be the most bewildering and hilarious record i've heard this year that's what i would say and that's why I like it. Yeah, fair. It's that simple. It's like the thing that you hate about it is exactly the thing that I listen to and go, well, I'm going to be listening to this 20 times between now and like next week. It, I genuinely, I'm not taking the piss because I was absolutely ready for <laughs> Let's Have a Tom Dare rant, which I haven't done for a while. I was really ready to really stick my oar in and then I pressed play and I went, I think I love this within about 20 seconds. Wow. Wow. I have no idea what that is. That's the doorbell. Can I be right back? Yeah, that's Matt Bellamy at the door. <laughs> Going to give you a big hug. <laughs> Check, please. Matt, back me up, mate. Come on. Oh, I'm used. Yeah, yeah. It's shit, isn't it? I hate it. It's, un- yeah, no, it is the most confusing thing I've heard in a while. Yeah, it's really weird. And considering the black metal you listen to, that's you know, saying quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I, yeah, no, it, it's exactly what I it's exactly what I expected, and it's exactly what I wanted, and it's I'm I'm mm. happy. I did listen to like the singles, I think, off Simulation Theory, and honestly, I think one or two of them might be even more mental than anything off this. So, Tom, go and listen mm. to that, and sort of, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts there as well. Be right back, see you in an hour. Well, funnily enough, actually, <laughs> Simulation Theory came out of the hat on Broken Records, our sister podcast, and it's been sitting there ready to go for quite for a couple of months now. So if you want to come and uh-huh. uh, give it a listen, Tom, and then maybe we can dissect it uh, on, on Broken Records if you want. Because, I mean, can we just not do it for a while? Because I can't listen to Muse again <laughs> for a while. I feel like I've, I've, I've listened to this a few times this week, and I feel like I've been running a marathon. Like, do you know what I mean? It's Let's pick this up in a month. Yeah, let's pick it up in a month. But anyway, there you go. That was my... I'm glad you enjoyed it, Tom. And, and I apologise, Matt. But Will of the People by Muse, yep. yeah, it's out now. Enjoy that. Yeah. Well, wh- whether Steve and Matt are happy about it or not, I pointed that in the Hate Crew Gay Bar. And I, okay, it's not a metal record, but there's about seven metal riffs, and that's more than some of the shit that's gone in. So fuck it. <laughs> um, 
Matt, you haven't picked anything for months, so you've had plenty of time to judge. To I say judge to to kind of juggle what's in you, your uh, your kind of most played list and what you would like to bring on when you come back. And judging by what you've picked, you've just kind of ordered thing heaviest first, right? Yeah, I mean, I picked Ether Coven with their album, the relationship between the hammer and the nail. Um, and this is, you know, if, if Muse is, like, supposed to be fun and uplifting and shit like that, this is basically the polar opposite, because this is fucking disgusting, and it? It's just, like, unrelenting punishment. It's a very angry album. I guess it's... What are we sort of calling it? Was It's, like... Sludge. Jimmy Sludge? Okay, Sludge. Cool. Yeah. Um, I just think there's a... You just... The riffs are horrible, the vocals are horrible, some really cool guest features as well, but it doesn't make it any easier to listen to. I think you're just on edge the whole time. It's just creepy as fuck. Um, and I guess, like, there's some, there's a couple of longer songs where it goes a bit a bit slower, a bit uh, more clean, but even then, it's just like, it's just fucking eerie as shit. It's just an air of tension the whole way through. Um, what are we thinking? Steve. As I've just had a, I've just said nice things about <laughs> your about your contribution. Do you want to uh, either say nice things about Matt or let him down gently? Mate, I like this a lot. Yeah, this is a good pick. I wasn't aware of this band, Matt. I am uh, going to say this is comfortably, comfortably, the best thing that we're talking about this week. With, um, it would be lapping the other two <laughs> things that we're covering this week. To be honest, um, is this an album or is it an EP? Because I saw it got kind of uh, put down as an EP. Is it fucking long for an EP? Yeah, it's like 47 yeah, minutes long. Yeah, it's quite long. But um, I, I, I saw somebody say that it was an EP. But anyway, I mean, yeah, Floridan... It's only an EP if you bring me the horizons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, with those 78-minute EP. Yeah. yeah. So they're like a Floridan sludge metal band, although I think this gets into territories around that kind of nastier, kind of more gruesome, hardcore riffing, and the guests on it will give you a sort of indication as to the type of thing. I think you've got, like, you've got Dwid from integrity on the first integrity, song, yeah. which is like the absolutely the perfect person to, to be on it um daniel from zao is on the second song as well i mean you know absolutely I, I think the opening half of this is fucking great i think god hates flags might be the best song title, title of the year title, unbelievable title and <laughs> that kind of weird squealing feedback that opens the, the sort of the start of the song before it all kicks in and you've got that kind of dry, tribal drum tattoo before it just goes fucking bananas I mean it sounds it's a stalking crushing um, sort of propulsive groove that opens the sort of the first few songs of it that I think are amazing I mean it's pretty, you know. They light into armor, don't they? Yeah. I'm, am I the only person who heard that and went, "Well, they either like mm -hmm. into armor as much as I do, or at least it's close." Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I got more kind of. I thought the guests. I mean, Howard Jones, formerly of Killswitch Engage, is on the last track as well, and I did think they. When we were talking earlier about Poison the Well and those and Botch and those kind of bands, I thought there's definitely a nod to a lot of the more experimental end of that stuff on on some of here but then also calling them a sludge band as well i think certainly the second half i'm not as keen on the second half i mean i think the thing with these things is you know i i always say i've said it over and over again you take something like the the four track burnt by the sun self-titled ep six minutes long absolutely brutal just 
kills you in six minutes and you just go amazing that's such a lovely little hit of that type of thing i did feel a little bit kind of um fatigued by the end of it i think it would have made an unbelievable ep it's a really good album um it's got a song in it called temple of woo which is a more sort of ambient thing uh which has got some dogs barking in the background so i was like well that's a rip off of suburbia by the pet shop boys or being caught stealing by jane's addiction so um <laughs> yeah uh and but mostly like you know it's really good there's a song of it called of might and failure which does i think really does sound like kind of classic metallic hardcore not metalcore metallic hardcore and it goes really fucking hard and for me when they go really hard fast like savage real real hard that's when i'm like this is great when they kind of step it back a little bit for too long i think the second half of it it gets a bit more ambient it gets a bit more kind of prolonged i'm slightly less interested but overall they're fucking great tom i'm interested to hear what you have to say since you mentioned in drama and i know how much you love that band so i don't know if you're gonna like this or if you're gonna tell them to fuck off because it's too close to it no, no, well, it's not, because, like, okay, there's some similarity in the riffing, but then, you know, Interama's kind of expansive, weird, um, very psychedelic thing where they will play with some much, much lighter stuff and then kind of bring you back down. It's also nowhere near as heavy as Interama, because Interama rip off neurosis. Well, I say rip off. Interama are inspired by neurosis much more often, and the moment you're inspired by neurosis, you're heavier than almost everyone, except Godflesh. Um, but also, the moment I say, like, it's the, make a comparison to Interarmor, you know I'm going to like it. Of course I am, because Interarmor like my second favourite band alive. That, like, it's really fucking good. I don't know how good it is, because with this kind of stuff, I usually take about two years to really <laughs> get the most out of it. So to know exactly how much I like it, get back to me in 2024. But for for the as far as I can, it's this close to it coming out yeah i really like this it is i i'm not sure i agree that it's too long for me i think it's about the right length for me if anything stuff like this i can often it can often be the, the case that the more time you take on something the more i get out of it up to a point so if you i i can just about stomach about 70 minutes of this stuff and it be kind of still in my sweet spot and so it being you know late 40s actually i was I wasn't necessarily done from it. So I I like the fact that it was to the point, but it's not the case that, you know, I'm kind of... I don't think they could have taken it somewhere more if they'd wanted to. What I did really like is that it is... It's clearly riffing off some stuff similar to other bands I like, but they sound like themselves. They don't... Like, the comparison to Interarm is, oh, that tiny little riff, and then we're going to go completely in, in the opposite direction to that band. Because it is so much more hardcore-inflected than a lot of that stuff. And the, the kind of... The Sludge thing, Sludge does play with a lot of punk and hardcore energy, and I think there's a lot of that in there, and they are way more of a Sludge band. And I think a lot of the bands that get labelled as Sludge, who are often, like more prog than they are sludge they've just got a very very distorted guitar with very down tuned strings and in terms of the writing it may not be that this lot come a lot come across way more like we want to fucking destroy things and then we're going to go and talk about our um favorite kittens and vegan recipes afterwards because we'll then be done with it rather than kind of go off into an astral plane and disappear as some of those other bands do so I really appreciate the fact that they are doing something which more and more 
isn't necessarily attached to a lot of the stuff that is in this genre anymore. And I sometimes you want that, and I, it kind of reminded me. I haven't listened to anything quite like this in a while. Why? I really like it. I must remember to. So yeah, r- mm. complete thumbs up. No caveats. Do you remember the band Turmoil, Tom? The process of by Turmoil. Have you ever heard that record? I'm trying to it's like ninety nine, two thousand that that oh, came out. No, it's no, like it's a bit. It's too of old. Right. Okay. I mean, it really reminds me of that. They were a band of just like sort of chaotically, savagely, crushingly, almost sort of sadistically heavy hardcore like re- that kind of sludge thing like and, and that was an album that i fucking loved when i was a kid i absolutely loved that record and i put this on and particularly you know the first i'd say you know maybe i was gonna say the first half but it's more like really the first two-thirds of it really gave me a lot of like oh this sort of reminds me of turmoil and it makes sense because again they were very much part of that you know integrity era kind of blurring of extreme metal and hardcore and all those things and yeah i mean you know this is this is a bit of me this is a bit of me this i think the length is fine for me as well because steve you sort of say that you feel fatigued by the end of it but i sort of think that that's its intention i think like they have um the penultimate trap temple of woo which i mentioned is like an instrumental it's a bit more chill it goes a little bit post-rock and then it sort of comes back in with the last track just like six seven minutes and it's again like crushing heavy and then I think they just want you to feel spent by the end of it. Um, but just, yeah, I'd never heard of this band either. And then like about 30 seconds in, I was like, yeah, this is fucking sick. Like you, it's really angry, but then there's a key change and it goes really sad for a bit. And those two things are a bit of me. So <laughs> fine. Nice. Yeah. yeah like it's it. not just like, it's, I, I've made it sound like it's kind of <laughs> nonstop destruction. It is more intelligent than that. It's just that it's, it never goes kind of, what's the word? It always wants to drive you towards that catharsis. It's the, it's never kind of making you think where the hell's this going. You know you, where it's going, even when it's kind of it's done something cl- more clever and interesting. It's just it, they take it's kind of a new section of the same journey. It's not you know the, to, to go back to the Interama comparison. It's not that then where you suddenly find yourself in a place that you absolutely did not see coming, and the, because you didn't see it coming, its impact is that much more. It's kind of like. Um, setting you up for a good meal by making you smell have the smells coming out of the kitchen you're going oh I'm looking forward to this before it even hits your plate except kind of like the opposite of emotion where it's like oh god I'm really worried about this this is going to hurt isn't it this is really going to hurt and then it does hurt and then it's over and you kind of feel better afterwards it's well put the relationship between the hammer and the nail and not as I keep wanting to call it between the hammer and the anvil because that's Judas Priest uh, by Evercoven has been added to the jukebox uh, my pick this week is probably a safe one with Matt uh, I've missed him so I wanted to be kind uh, and he's one of my favourite bands uh, so I want so uh, but I am very worried that Steve is going to biblically hate it I mean I'm expecting a kind of a torrent of abuse in about 30 seconds um, because it is Overgiven Heaven or probably to pronounce it closer Evergiven Heaven Sorry, it's Swedish, and they just don't seem to believe in consonants very often. Uh, by Swed- by the melodic death metal turned anthemic prog metal band Soilwork. Uh, it's predictably very melodic. It's great fun. It's definitely too long, and generally loads of fun. Uh, and before Steve pisses all over my chips <laughs> uh, in revenge for me saying nice things about Muse uh, and saying bad things about Botch, Matt, please back me up that this is wicked. I don't have fun with this. 
What? <laughs> um, did, did, I, say, did I say something rude about your mum and when I was drunk or something? Well, it's sad because I do really like Soil sort of Work and I love the last album, The Clay Getting, something Pass. like that. <laughs> Let's yeah. roll the whole thing off. As well, but like the the first listen of this to me, I didn't like it at all. It just bored me. Um, I guess I've just got to accept they're not a death metal band anymore. They, yes, admittedly, they know how to write a chorus. Like the first track, um, which is is it a title track, I think. Like yes. that chorus is fucking massive and that keeps popping into my head from nowhere. But then it goes to the second song, New Song La Guerre, which I think was a f- single as well, and it just feels flat, which I think is a sort of theme of the album. I just feel like. You know, that song particularly is seven minutes long. It just doesn't minutes. seem to go anywhere. Seven minutes long. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, Sorry. look, just, <laughs> it's prog, just, isn't it? just to come in here. To, well, I mean, prog is progressive, right? And I think this is uh, incredible. No, it's prog. Okay, fine. Yeah, because uh, it doesn't this mean is, we are We are way past, like, progressive. We are now into, like, yeah, they, they're, this is prog. It should be called reg, really, for re- regressive, I think, because... Um, <laughs> You know, we, we reviewed the last <laughs> album on Riot Act and we weren't that impressed with it. But here's what I'm going to say, Tom. Really? No, no. I thought the last album was stunningly good. Look, I, I liked Sabbath the Drama and I liked Natural Born Chaos back in the day. And I think with a band like this, really, I'm never going to want more than two albums. Because to my ears, you know, uh, yeah, you know, you brought in that kind of Euro metal-y, kind of more progressive-y thing. And broadly speaking, this to me is the reason why. When people say to me, oh, I don't like metal anymore, do you? And I always go, well, sort of 95% of it, no, not not really. And I don't think you like 95% of it in the first place. I, 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 don't, I dislike like 95% of it. Yeah, yeah. I, like right now yeah, yeah. in 2022, about 5% of metal I think is good, right? And that's just... I think it's because of bands like Soilwork who are just endlessly plodding along, doing nothing creative and simultaneously being lo- being lord- oh, no, no, lauded no, 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 no. by Factually, people. Ju- Sorry, <laughs> well, they are. I'm going to come in here because you are now being factually incorrect because they have changed style radically over the last 15 years, right? If you go back 15 really? years, they do not sound like this at all. Yeah, for one, you talk about Natural Born Chaos. They were doing like basically straight up like melodic death metal with a kind of slightly interesting sense of rhythm right there was That's what this they is, had isn't it? something that was but longer no it's no. yeah it's exactly the same but they've completely changed the song structures and the guitar well, so fucking well, it's not much is it it's not much of a change oh apart from everything it's not they much of a change much. tom so apart from the riffs, apart from the way they write songs, apart from the way they use melody, apart from the way they structure the songs, Look, apart from the tuning they, they go use, chugga, 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 That's the same. Yeah, but that's like saying every saying every punk rock song is do 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 the end. Like it's most of them are every punk. Most of them are. I think this is the point. I have just I have just sung the entire Ramones discography. Yeah, you have. Yeah, I mean, look, this is the thing. It's it's such tiny little. That that sounds like the refuse. No, but look, there's such tiny sort of incremental differences in the broader picture. This is why, like for me, this is why you look at metal and you go, well, in the in the broader picture of of music in general, how much has electronic music progressed? How much has hip hop progressed? How much has pop music progressed? How much has every other type of genre progressed? And then you point to this and say, oh, 15 years ago they sounded completely different. Like in 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 terms of, I mean, even picking like fucking Jay, like compare this with I don't know Lady Gaga, right? 
the change from Lady Gaga from the, 15 years ago to now. From an original artist into Madonna. Yeah. No, well, no, it's not really. I mean, I think the amount of stuff she's... Her last album was a pure... I mean, Madonna's a great shout as well. I just don't think that, like, it's fine. Oh, okay, Madonna is It's not. fine, it's fine. It's like, look, if you like this sort of stuff, that's... And you just, you want to listen to that. But for me, 14 songs and 65 minutes... I mean, it was. I, I said this album's too long before I even pressed play on it, and I was very confident yeah, that long. I was right. And I just think, you know, seven-minute-long songs that could be three minutes. I think, you know, songs like you like the Merle album. Sorry, no, I'm going to cut in here. You have said nice things about yeah. albums where they have massively extended the length of songs for no reason at all on Riot Act that are way more egregious than Soul Work. Right? Soul Work are a progressive band who write long songs. That's how you. Do, oh, sorry, they're a prog Marv got band, two basically. albums. Soilworker got fucking nine albums. Yeah. And they but, all sound like, the fucking same. Merle, but they're slightly, this yeah, one's longer. Merle, like, pfft. Yeah, but every Merle song sounds the same. Yeah, but it's, it's a, like, do you know what I mean? But it's a, it's got a I'm hook. Also, it's got, they've got good hooks as well. Like the hooks on no, this. They don't. No, well, no, they no, do. No, no. Yeah, but they, they okay, but they, even so, they come up with a hook and they use it 15 times. There is no hook. So it's Cotton Eye so Joe. That's better than anything on this. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that's a great song. That, that's a great yeah. song. Don't make me. That is a brilliant song. Don't make me think bad comparisons about either this or Cotton Eye Joe because both I love no. both. I'm deadly. I'm going to say something really serious, right? And I'm going to calm down because this is not a like a ranty point. Stop reviewing our albums. You would enjoy this stuff more. I'm really serious because I went through exactly the same thing when I was reviewing albums all the time. Anyone who wasn't doing anything new hated, wasn't interested. Bands who just did the same thing but well, or just like slow, subtle evolution over a course of time, in my opinion, got massively deprecated. Then I stopped reviewing and I went back and I listened to all those albums again and I went, I was listening to the wrong thing. Like the stuff that stuck with me is not the stuff that was original, because sometimes original is just different and rubbish. It could just be, yeah, we're going to play something that's really completely different and it's going to grab your attention because it's doing like one or two things you like and you haven't heard it before. But then as soon as you get over the novelty, there's nothing there. Whereas stuff that is just we really well-crafted will stick with you. And it's it's kind of the same as um, like a really, really good cook, right? They can cook you a fairly limited selection of meals, but because it's bloody good, as long as you're getting kind of a decent variety within that, you're still going to enjoy it. If, on the other hand, you spend your life going to the best restaurants and constantly tasting everyone in the world's pasta you're just going to be like i don't i'm not in tr- i don't know any pasta anymore it's shit that's a fair point it's, it's i'm re- i'm really serious that reviewing for a living makes you hate music that isn't completely different to what you just listened to because you spend so much time with generic shit that you just get like and it, uh, the worst for me was death metal I got to the point where I did not want to listen to death metal anymore because I'd spent so much time reviewing utterly generic that, things yeah. that were just that were just fine. They weren't bad, but it was, it was six and a half out of ten stuff. Nothing wrong with it. Is it gonna? Am I gonna listen to it in a year's time? Hell no. Is it gonna offend me? No. That's really damaging because you spend you listen to it ten times so you can get something coherent out of it, and then you don't want to listen to anything that sounds like that for months because you've absolutely over uh over listened to something that wasn't worth the attention well look mate i think that's a that's actually a very astute point um what i would say is i mean 
if anyone was listening to our show last week, you know, we reviewed the Black Thought and Danger Mouse album, which sounds like 90s coffee house hip hop. Like it's not doing anything new at all, but the standard and the quality of it is so high and it gets in and out so quickly and the guests bring so much more to it and blah, 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 blah. Like this for me has a few really good moments on it that I enjoyed, but I just thought so much of it. I mean, Electric again has got like a really, really big riff that I really responded well to. It doesn't sound like anything original at all, but it's got like something approaching a, a decent chorus. Um, I think Vultures, again, I thought was really good. But then it's stuff like, you know, halfway through the record, we get a 90 second instrumental piano ballad thing, just like 99% of every other metal album in this genre ever. And it sticks so rigidly to a set of pre-ordained rules that these albums are meant to stick to that i was just like i it's fine sounding like stuff that i've heard before but when you are literally sticking so rigidly to a format over and over and over and over again i mean yeah maybe this isn't necessarily soil works fault that everybody else's because they've been doing this for fucking ages right they've been a band for years and for decades right they've been a band for decades so they probably helped to kind of build those rules in the first place but you know by the end of it i was just really again saying i was fatigued on the last one you can times that by like five or ten really because i was i was i was just really just you need to be those songs are just too long they're unnecessarily long and they're not like to me the difference between mole and this is that like that's kind of catchy and just it's fine i don't mind just sitting in one place if i'm like if i if, if i feel like it's catchy and it just sounds sort of enjoyable but when it's like well i've been sat here for ages and i don't feel like you're doing anything which is of any interest really i don't really feel like it's particularly well produced or particularly well written particularly well performed i've heard it a billion times before um my okay, attention where? was just wandering where? where i'm really serious where because because there are i'm i cannot name another band who sound like soil work at any point in 2022 there are bands who have kind of taken stuff they've done in the past and, go, and gone off and done their own five thing. finger death but punch what they are doing now <laughs> come on Steve. a little bit no it's gonna take more than that to bait me <laughs> There's, there is a couple that I was like, oh, this is a radio rock stomper. Like, do you know what I mean? There's a, there's a couple of no, like... it's AOR. All right, fair is enough, it, like, yeah. I'm, but it would, it would fit it on is, the radio it, in America. But but the, the reason they I did write like Michael Bolton at one point as well. they've been often doing the Night Flight Orchestra. To, like, the, to, some of them are in the Night Flight Orchestra. That's why that stuff is fed back into it, because they've been off doing that. And they've come back and they've gone, you know what, some of those melodic ideas might work quite well in this. And mm -hmm. there's loads of bits of it where I go... Yeah, that's bits influenced by NFL, and I'm going, oh yeah, great. Well, I do they need that. to come back though, because like Nightflight, uh, I just think they're a much more exciting band. Like this just feels so formulaic, and I don't think mm, that we I still. I wouldn't agree with that. <sighs> really, I just like I prefer everything else that Bjorn does these days. Like he's got this other, he's got this other death metal project called Ayat, which I just, you know, it's it's much heavier than this, but I just find it much more. And that's not necessarily reinventing the wheel, but it's just more exciting. I just don't get. But we've had this, this conversation before, Matt. You just don't like prog. I just don't feel like this is prog. I just feel it is radio rock songs that are double the length they need to be. Yeah, I do. I, that's sort of what I think as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think there's a song called Vultures, which reminds me of Michael Bolton, um, and I actually said I quite like it. But I and, and you know, again, like the kind of bombast of it when it's good. 
when it, when I go, oh, that's a really, really great... Um, there's one called Dreams of Nowhere. And the chorus to that, I think, is fucking great. That is a really great... Like, the chorus just fucking screamed out and up and out and over the mountains from nowhere. And I was like, that's brilliant. And I think when I heard that, it really put into perspective how much more meandering I thought some of the other choruses were. Do you know what I mean? Because, and it shows me, I was like, okay, so they're not a bad band. They're not, a, Soilwork are not a bad band. Soilwork have done some albums that I really liked before in the past. I saw them at Bloodstock a couple of years ago and they were fucking great. They were really, really good. But this to me, like, there's too much of it which just feels like, like, it's so long. And when so much of it is just like, well, that's not up to the standard of the rest of the record at its best. Because I think there are bits on this that are that are genuinely very good. There's a few songs here and there that I think are great. Like I said, I mentioned Dreams of Nowhere, really catchy. But then straight after Dreams of Nowhere, they go into like this kind of piano interlude bit and you just like go... Yeah, oh, even I have to agree with that. The album should have ended on Dreams of Nowhere. They, it would have been... In, is, there was a, exactly the same as the last Epica record. There is a really good song and then there is an interlude and if they'd stopped the album before the interlude, the album would have been way better. And I do agree that it is too long. The last bit, if it's that stands up on its own that well, it should have been neatly. I just think it's a really fun time. I don't care about, oh, this is meandering. And yeah, that's the point. It's solo work. They're meant to make you sit back and go, yeah, we're just going to wander around for a bit. Well, if that's, that's the point, I mean, look, if that's the point, then that's, that's the point. That's what they've been doing for 10 years. That's what, why I like them. Okay, well, if that's... That's why they went from being a band I had no interest in when they were doing Natural Born Chaos to when they started doing stuff like the Ride Majestic when I was going, hang on, this is going to sit back and make me kind of go all over the shop, and that's exactly what I want them to do. Good, I'm well up for this. So they were doing exactly what I want them to do. I... And they're kind of... They're, that's all I want is... Take me to lots of different places, take me for a stroll, have some really good choruses, and let me have a really good time. I don't care about any of the other stuff. It's not important. It's just, do you stick it on and have fun? Yes. Okay. Well, mate, I'm glad you do. I'm delighted that you you like it. Like, for real. Like, I don't want to come on here and be like, this is shit and you shouldn't like it. Like, of course. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. I don't at all. You know I don't. (laughs) Um, You know I don't. And if you like it, that's great. But I, I really, you know, I found myself being like, there's not a lot that is staying with me there's not a lot that i feel that it's i don't feel like it's a particularly dynamic record and i really think that in terms of the songwriting nous of it those choruses like you mentioned you know you want to gather a few choruses that hook onto you nothing was sticking nothing was sticking with me when I, a song would finish and i'd go oh, i can't remember what just happened do you know what i mean it was just like that was a quite a lot of bluster and it just felt like it went on I mean, some of the song lengths here, you know, Vultures is 5 minutes 48 on the wings of a goddess through flames, flaming sheets of rain uh, is the last track and it's seven and a half minutes. And you're just like, mate, seven yeah, and a half. Uh, we've already said the album should have ended. Oh, yeah, of course. Before that, before that, like if you, it, though, that, everything after that, I'm fine with saying that's too long. But if you're going to complain about songs that are five and a half minutes long you just don't like the band really i mean unless it's merle in which case they should have stopped the two and a half minutes yeah well look you know i wouldn't i wouldn't disagree that pretty much every band could probably chop all of their fucking compositions down to they could when you're doing these songs you're like you know not all of them obviously like you know i think pink floyd probably can leave their material alone but a lot of bands who do songs that are lengthy they don't always need to make them that lengthy but when shit happens in a song but I listen to so many of these and it's like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, big solo. And you're suddenly like, fuck me, I'm only th- we're three minutes in. I feel like we, we're I feel like we're done here, lads. I feel like we're done. But there's still four minutes left. Well, that's, the, 
that's the thing though, Tom. You say about like if you don't like them that being that long, then you don't like the band. I, I don't think that's true because, like I said, I did really like the last Sawyer Work album. No, I was talking about Steve, not you. <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think if I listen to some not every song in here is really long I mean you know Valleys of Gloom is four minutes that's not ridiculously long by any you know it's in your darkness is five it's in your darkness is quite a bad song and that's the shortest song on the on the record and I don't think that's very good so I'm not necessarily thinking it's strictly the length I think it is quite I think it is quite flabby of them to allow them I think it's quite sort of um uh, Are you saying that it's not that it's too long? It's just that it's not quite hard enough the whole way through. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's the the length is is one thing. It's the thickness that I don't like, Tom. It's the girth of the record that I'm I have a problem with. Yeah, it, and it's, and it's am just, I right it's saying just that? Is that fine? Too, yeah, it's it's just a bit too shiny. Yeah, just, I mean, look, like it's 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 too um, glitter and spangly for you. Yeah, I mean, look for me, too many too many adornments. It's tw- it's, it's their twelfth album. I'm going down to you are, yeah. Part. It's twelve albums into uh, a, a a pretty decent metal band's career. Again, much like I said about like Botch earlier, I didn't really come into this with particularly high hopes because how many metal bands released their best album and their their twelfth album like hardly any enslaved that's it yeah so you know i maybe i i'm just i know i don't need any more soil work albums in my life i do but that's great that's yeah why, good but that is why by soil work i'm gonna th- read the audio description if you want to know how it's spelled there's an absolutely no chance you're going to work it out from how any of us can pronounce it uh, by soil work has been entered in the hate crew gave by jukebox and these two can fuck off i'm gonna have a lovely time listening to it uh, and while we'll have more new stuff for the jukebox next week and right act will have more reviews at least as long as no one spills any more glow sticks we'll have reviews anyway uh that is did at the hate crew gay bar that's swedish for time and that means the end of the reviews bit for the rest of the episode we're going to get back to what we said we were going to talk about uh, about an hour ago <laughs> uh, the eurovision song contest uh before we decide to have two arguments um we are the hate crew the have, what podcast do i host i don't know who am i the the normal stuff that HBFM talk about is is out the window because we we really wanted to bring you something bold and satisfying that bring pleasure to both sets of our listeners because uh, we we're going to now kick on with the LGBTQ plus heavy metal guide to the Eurovision Song Contest uh, because the only way Eurovision could get more gay possibly is to get heavy metal involved obviously um, for anyone unfamiliar with Eurovision which uh, is going to be quite a lot of people because you know it, it's not very popular in America or Asia or Africa or like most continents it's just like it's Australia and Europe that's kind of it and I don't even know why Australia are in it because Australia is very not in Europe I don't know if anyone's looked at a map recently but there's a there's a little bit of distance between the two places on that motif Tom when I was um, 16 years old just prior to Euro 96 which was obviously held in uh, in England and we um we should have won, really. I was at uh, school with a guy called Chris... K- I still haven't forgiven Gareth Southgate. Oh, no. Well, Andrew Muller's the real villain there, isn't he? The bastard, like, cupping his yeah. ear, the little shit. Um, I said to my friend... Uh, he's not really my friend, but someone I went to school with, Chris Keane, and I was like, who do you think is going to win Euro 96, Keane? And he said Australia. So some people do believe... <laughs> and I was a bit like, well, A, they're obviously not in it, and, and B, they're rubbish at football. Like, they ain't going to win. As if they're yeah, going to they beat Holland shit. and Germany, you idiot. 
Yeah. Really good at cricket, really bad at football. Quite famous. Yeah. Rugby league, best in the world, but no one else plays it, that's why. Um, apart from, like, at a corner of Lancashire and a corner of Yorkshire. Anyway, we've gone off piece already. That's a good start. Um, for anyone who's not familiar with it, uh, it's a competition that was first run in 1956. It's held once a year, and the idea is that lots of countries, it's essentially, like, in theory, everyone in Europe, but it's actually, like more than just Europe and there are some countries in Europe that like abstain on like basically on the grounds that it allows the gays and they don't agree with that um, everyone submits a uh, every nation rather submits an act to perform an original song the perf- uh, song has to be around the three minute mark in length uh, no soil work each country- obviously <laughs> well, I, j- I keep thinking we should send Napalm Death just for a <laughs> yeah we should send, it, send them get a t- to do a two second song and be like this is Napalm Death, the UK's entry. Right! Bye. Um, and that'd be hilarious. Um, I also th- apologise that my microphone has probably just made a horrible noise. Um, everyone performs anyway. Every country votes uh, through a combination of a music industry panel. Don't ask why that's there. It was basically because Russia kept winning because everyone was worried that they would turn the gas off. <laughs> Isn't that an ironic um, mirror of what's going on at the moment? Mm. Um Anyway, th- th- there's the obvious, and then the public vote as well. And the public vote is kind of more important. Like, if you doesn't matter what the panels think, if the public really like you, um, as we found out this year when Ukraine won by landslide, when the critics gone, no, yeah, not for us. Um, the obvious restriction is that people can't vote for them, their own country. So, th- if you live in the UK, you frequently get told don't vote for the UK entry, you may be charged and your vote won't count. And that is said about 58 times during the broadcast. Uh, the country that wins then gets to host the ne- event the following year, although next year the runner-up's going to host it. The runner-up was the UK. It was all going very well, and then the public vote for the Ukraine happened, and Ukraine won absolutely enormously, and they're quite busy right now with something else, so they're not going to host it and have asked... Uh, us to do it and someone's going to have to cancel somewhere is losing a Sabaton show by the look of it some city is going to lose a Sabaton show which you know Steve would be very happy about me and um, Matt not so much Um, sorry Matt I know that's not true I would be very happy (laughs) I would not be very happy if it got cancelled anyway competition has a long tradition of ridiculous over-the-top nonsense. I mean, the kind of stuff that even Muse would look at and go, steady now. Um, and the UK broadcast ha- also has a tradition for a for bitchy commentary from a camp Irishman who's had just enough gin or, more recently, wine for them to say that thing that they normally wouldn't but, you know, just slips out before they can um, think better of it, and we've all had moments like that. Um, just to explain how we're going to discuss it because we can't do the entire history of it because this show would be 2,000 hours long. We would be here forever. Um, and at some point, one of us will need to eat or something like that. Me and Steve are big Eurovision fans, or at least Steve is very familiar with it. Um, Matt is a bit of a newcomer to the joys of the contest. Unfortunately, if you're a queer man in Europe, if you don't know anything about Eurovision, they take away your gay license after a period of time. And while Matt obviously does like women too, so he wouldn't have to be involuntarily celibate, he's not quite ready to give up men just yet. He might be by the end of this show. Um, so to help him keep his bi license, we're helping him get up to speed. Clear so far? Good. It gets a lot more simple from here. Rather than do a full rundown of the competition, then, so we're just going to 
pick our favourite five acts, me and Steve, favourite five acts each from across the competition's history, and that's what we're going to chat about. Uh, we've also picked out our biggest what the actual fuck were you thinking about <laughs> moments uh, of and Satan's hairy taint did we have plenty to choose from in that regard? Uh, uh, Two thirds of the competition from this year could have been in that contest, and that was just from this year. Um, however, in, in terms of the gay side of things, and in terms of the metal side of things, there were two things that were so obvious we thought we, sh we can't burn a pick on them because it's just it's a waste, it's too obvious for words. Uh, so we're going to start off by talking about them. Um, before we get to those two, though, let's get the usual thing out of the way first. Matt? What do you think of and remember of Eurovision? Um, yeah, very little. Uh, there were a couple of performances from your guys' lists that I had seen before for whatever reason. We'll get to that. But like, I watched about half of the actual con uh, song contest this year because I was sort of forced to by friends, and it was I had a terrible time. Um, in the past, I I used to like just watch the results. I I don't know. I just found it quite fun. I like numbers, don't I? Um, the actual songs, like, then I'm never really interested in it, but it's fucking mental, isn't it? Like, after, yes, because I don't, you know, we've done what is it like 14 uh songs total, so 14 performances that I've watched for this, and I think that's probably more than I've ever watched of Eurovision before. I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, are all these people on drugs? It is weird as shit. Yeah. Well, one one of the ones I picked definitely <laughs> was. Well, allegedly, allegedly was. I mean, look, Eurovision's the the world's longest running annual televised music competition, um, and it fucking used to feel like it was a big deal when I was growing up. Like when I was first sort of getting into music, Eurovision felt like a really big deal. And I think that so the first one that I really remember, I think the UK came second in 1988 with a song called "Go" by Scott Fitzgerald. Um, and I remember sitting and watching it and just being so like, I was in the like working man's club in my village and we went down and they put it on the big screen and the whole village went in and we're like cheering for them. And it felt like a sort of football competition. Obviously I'm coming at this from a slightly different angle from you guys because this is just purely as, you know, straight man with- A music fan. Straight yeah. man with interest in pop music solely right so i you know i'm gonna have to kind of defer all of the you know the, the campness to you guys but it, it just always used to feel like a big deal and i became really quite fascinated by it and i've sort of kept my powder dry on chatting about it over the years doing podcasts but when you look at some of the winners like lulu olivia newton john cliff richard celine dion julio iglesias and who else we're going to be talking about like big names and it just feels like i don't know i've just got a lot of sort of warmth for eurovision it's just fun, isn't it? I mean, it is It is supposed to be mm. ridiculous. I don't know exactly at what point it went from being a, quite a serious song contest, which back in the day it clearly was. There was clearly a point at one stage it was really serious. But as people started to kind of do more and more poptastic things, it became more and more OTT and ridiculous. And, of course, the gays just went, we love it, it's fabulous, um, for reasons we're about to get to. Um, and at that point it kind of started to jump the shark a bit. But the moment it did jump the shark, people went, actually, this is kind of awesome. And certainly by the time we get to the point of another act we're going to talk about in a second, it was over and people were just going, this is completely ironic and or even post-ironic possibly. And the idea that another ABBA is going to come from this is absolutely farcical. The whole point is to have people you will never hear from again do something which might be brilliant, but that will be the, the entirety of their career outside of like a very, very niche market and it be a total 
ridiculous blast and get drunk and say catty things about people's outfits, which is what I tend to do. Um, we well, this is the thing because I like this is how it's been for I think my entire lifetime. Because Steve, like those names that you were just saying there, I didn't know about that, but that's like really surprised me because I don't know like the last time I would have heard of any of the winners. Like what's uh, you would have heard of the wins the last time the UK won it, which was nineteen ninety seven, which was Katrina and the Waves, who might be not be in Yeah. Yeah, I know them, but that's what I was saying. Like that's the year yeah, I was yeah. born. So that is twenty five years ago. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and it's the only time in my lifetime the UK has won, because we have been shit at this competition for a very, very like, we have been shit at this competition longer than we've been shit at well, as long as England's men have been shit at football, right? I sort of think like we won it this year though, really, no. didn't we? Because I'm not having that the Ukraine. Yeah, but yeah, everyone was just fucking did. giving them the bloody sympathy yeah, vote, yeah, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, like, come it, on, it, that's it, not going to stop the fucking war. Giving them a vote in a song contest. Absolutely, oh. I completely agree. We won that. I mean, look, look, it's based on this is a meritocracy. It's not like, and I, I wouldn't want to get the like participation win. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but we can't give it to someone who's been blessed by a broken heart. Like as nice as he seems, and as good as the song was, and as good as the <laughs> performance was. <laughs> yeah. He was still in Blessed by a Broken Heart, and we can't forgive that. Some things you, you just can't get past. I'm a forgiving man, yeah, I but mean, I have my limits. They were a hell of a band. Yeah, it, I would have thought that would be right up your alley, Tom. What, Blessed Canadian Christian hair metalcore? You know me so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, particularly at that point as well, right? Because that, that was... Okay, mm. metalcore has since got, come on and done good things, right? At that point, it was dying... And it, not just dying, it was dying on its ass, and there was so much just utterly identical Happy shit days. being churned out. Most of whom I wrote about for Metal Hammer. Uh, but like, there was just mm. that period where you could not move for particularly Christian bands coming out of the the South in the U.S., but not like far south, somewhere like you know North Carolina, or, or actually no, not Virginia. It was all like like uh, um, I'm trying to think of where else there was some. Stuff from all that, like really rural bit of Pennsylvania, which is like incredibly Republican and very Christian. There was was all bands from there who wanted to sing about Jesus, and like they would come over to the UK, they would be really doing well, and then at the end they'd say, "We just would like to say we're doing the show for Jesus Christ," and everyone would just go, "Huh?" Because it's the UK, which is incredibly secular, and like talking about religion in public is a bit weird over here, and. how have we got onto this, by the way? It's, how the fuck have we gone? It's me. That's how we got onto it. Secular metalcore bands. Come on. Anyway, let's talk about ABBA. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's talk about ABBA. So the, well, actually, before we get onto that, there's a couple of things that I want to bring up before we get onto ABBA. Because ABBA did win it in 1974, and that's far and away the biggest band to ever come from it. And fucking brilliant band they are, too. And like one of the ultimate gay icon bands to boot. But before we even get to that, my overriding memory of the Eurovision Song Contest in my childhood is just the Irish winning every year. Because they went on this run yeah. where it was, it was kind of like Ireland, Ireland, someone else, Ireland, Ireland, someone else, and then they haven't won since. And it was re- that, I think that was the point it stopped being serious, when the Irish stopped taking it seriously. So at the moment, the moment one of the most musical nations on the planet stops taking con- song contests seriously... That's it. It's over. It's time to uh, turn off the power and let the gays come in and make it sparkly, right? That's kind of what happened. Um, I also do remember Katrina and the Waves, though, because that song was bloody everywhere. And at first I thought, oh, this is quite nice, even though I was like 13 and didn't really know all that much about music yet. And then 
I quite quickly realised, no, that song is god-awful. How the fuck did this win? I mean, yes, she's a brilliant singer, but the song is ghastly. Um, yeah, it's not a great no. song, that. I mean, I remember I was at a house party when that won, and we when it got announced that we won... I don't even remember us actually listening to any of the other songs. I think, again, just supporting like a football team. We absolutely trashed this living room at this this house party because we were just like <laughs> jumping, like we'd won the World Cup. Do you know what I mean? Like we'd yeah. won every Olympic gold all at once. It, we went crazy. And now looking back, I'm like, it's kind of an overreaction yeah. for, for Katrina and the yeah. waves, right? I mean, Walking <laughs> on Sunshine's a great song. That's a belting song. But Love Shine a Light, no, not so much. Um, also... Th- the um, uh, Eurovision Broadcasting uh, Union, or the European Broadcasting Union, who are the kind of the the amalgam broadcasting network that uh, broadcast it, their theme tune is um, the opening of um, Te Deum by a French composer from the 17th century, I think, called Marc Antoine Charpentier. And when I was at university, I actually played it when I was in, in the uh, orchestra, and we kind of we played it, and I didn't realise that it was that that was the theme tune because I'd never seen the very start of Eurovision. And then, like a year later, I watched the very start of the Eurovision. I went, "Hang on, I played that last year. That's fucking Mark Antoine Charpentier." And it ran a bit of, of like not popular culture. Um, I also remember the point I realised it was um, starting to jump the shark was when I re- watched it in full with my mum when I was about fourteen or fifteen. And Terry Wogan, who was this genial old Irish um, chap who had been on TV and radio for donkey's years, he's one of the very few broadcasters from that era who hasn't had an awful sex scandal since he died, which probably suggests that he was a very good guy behind the scenes, right? Because virtually everyone else is in prison. Um, I was increasingly aware that he was getting quite ginned up because he wasn't being discreet anymore. And that I thought that was I loved hilarious. It. He loved he it, loved Wogan, it. didn't he? He would loved it. He would go fucking two footed in on all the shit. Wouldn't yes, he? he loved it. He was brilliant. Yeah, I mean Terry Terry Wogan is probably if you say to me one Eurovision Song Contest one name, I think Terry Wogan would be second to yes. Abba in in straight into my yeah. head. He was fucking brilliant. Yeah, he was Wogan and, back in the and day and could be more effortlessly funny in three words than almost anyone else on telly. And he would just say this kind of completely disarming thing in a really kind of kind, smiling voice, and it would be witheringly bitter. And I'd just go, are we sure he's not one of us? Because that level of cat normally involves cock up your ass. <laughs> he, he would literally sigh and humph in the middle of songs as yeah. well, wouldn't he? You would hear him just go, <laughs> like yeah. in the middle of a song or a performance, you just hear like, Ugh. Also, do you remember, um, this is going m- much more recent, do you remember Alexander Ryback, Steve? Who won with a fairy tale? He was the uh, Russian uh, guy who won for Norway in about 20, 2009, something like that. Played the violin, oh, really boring song. Sort of rings a bell, yeah, but I don't remember the song. Dreamy hair, absolutely gorgeous, kind of twinky guy. And obviously, the, uh, the women of Europe just absolutely creamed their knickers, and all the gays did as well. And just were, the phones were going off the hook to vote for this guy for the, one of the most boring, bland pop songs you've ever heard. Anyway, after he won for Norway with that awful song, he did a show on Norwegian telly with the acts that he beat uh, in the competition to be Norway's entry that year. And the act that he beat was Keep of Kalesin, the Norwegian black metal band. Uh, Keep of Kalesin, whose initials are Cock, uh, which is apt as, uh, while I didn't like the song he won with, I didn't mind at all of seeing him perform with Cock in the same frame. 
Jesus Christ. Adam and Indich. Oh, it's fucking yeah. wild, by Alex, the way. It is wild. Eurovision, and it's, re- and it's a Keeper of Kalesin song either. It's not just like they're metalling up one of his tunes. He's gone, no, I'm going to, on the violin, learn this black metal song and you know shred on stage with a black metal band. And it's really cool. Um, I, it was very really cool. good. Anyway, let's get on to the two things that are just too obvious for us to waste picks with. Uh, the first of which is the winning entry from 1974, which was by a then-unknown pop four-piece from Sweden. The song was called Waterloo, and you've probably heard that song a million times because ABBA then went on to be... I'm basically the... ABBA? Uh, yeah, well, they went on to be basically the biggest pop band since the Beatles, didn't they? And it was, like, it was before Michael Jackson came along. They were kind of about as big as you got, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously I wasn't alive to see it, but <laughs> when you look at record sales i mean you can do it you just need to google best-selling albums ever and abba gold will be somewhere near the top yeah and that that is by the very very that is one of the very few genuinely flawless but greatest hits record yeah it's incredible i mean you know they are they're a band abba a bit like i mean it's funny i was talking to jonathan seltzer of metal hammer the metal hammer reviews editor once and he was saying in the sort of mid to late 70s the only thing you heard was Greece and ABBA. The only thing that was ever played just on like, everywhere you went on telly, on the radio, it was the Greece soundtrack or an ABBA song. And for years and years and years and years, every other thing would be one of those two things. And they were absolutely fucking massive. And you think how big Greece is obviously a huge pop culture phenomenon and ABBA were kind of literally that big. They are massive. And as you quite rightly mentioned, Tom, Staggeringly brilliant songwriters. Oh, god! Incredible yeah. and, band, and it, you can see that from I mean, what Louis very much not their best song, right? Like if you, t- no, it's no, no, quite no. In, if you to listen to Abba Gold, it's one of the you know that and I Have a Dream are kind of the two where you think, well, does this really need to be on here? Mm. Well, it probably does, but it's not like it's not gimme 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 or money 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 or a song which has more than a song title which has three words which is one repeated three times. Um, like it's. It, some of those songs are fucking incredible and Waterloo's just very, very, very good. Better than everything else that year, but still like quite low <laughs> in the league table of greatest ABBA songs. Um, I think the thing you can tell with a great band with like really iconic... I mean, one thing we do do often when we do like a classic album on our Patreon page on Riot Act is we will say, we will take the big hit from an album and say... There's three boxes. Box A means when this come on, comes on, you go, ah, God, no, ah, God, I've heard it too many times, turn it off. Box B is if it comes on, you go, oh, yeah, you know, actually, this is a good song, I like this. And box C is I actually actively go out of my way to listen to that song. And I would say ABBA, despite the fact that they are quote-unquote overplayed, if an ABBA song comes on, I would never turn it off. I would never turn the telly over. Like, even though they are hugely, they are played to death, yeah. I don't ever feel like I've got bored of I them. I got bored with Dancing Queen in the 90s because the, for some reason... They, oh, that yeah, got, actually, that's that true. Revived, I did revived, didn't it? When Mamma Mia happened, that mm. got re-released as a single. And everyone who had never really listened to ABBA before went, fucking hell, ABBA are really good. And that song was just on you know, modern pop radio unavoidably you could not move that so there was a period in my teens where i got bored of that song and then that stopped and now i love dancing queen again and it describes me at a wedding um matt you must have known this song already right you can't have like needed to discover waterloo by abba 
through this. I knew the song. I knew the song. I didn't realise that other... Like, I think I knew that they were on Eurovision, but I didn't realise that that's, like, where they'd started. Um, which is weird. This performance is weird. Um, <laughs> yes. Because, like, they have actually brought out someone dressed as Napoleon yep. as a conductor. So, like, this whole Eurovision Song Contest has clearly always been on a bit of a wind-up. Um, and they all... It looks like a budget Adam think... show, doesn't it? Like, they're all wearing kind of faux Renaissance costumes, apart from the bass player with the porno stash. Uh, but apart from him, everyone's in a costume, and it's really cheap, and it looks really shit. And it's very bad 1970s TV production, because TV wasn't all that financially successful at that point. But... It is a really odd performance. Yeah, I think it's a bad performance, and I think it's a bad song. <laughs> I think Ava are a bad band. Wow! And Wowzers! Probably going to be fired now. Fired, I think you're going to struggle to find any men who will let you, you know, into their pants. <laughs> I know. So what you're saying about the start, like, mate, my gay license went a long fucking time ago. You know, I hate all this shit, Tom. Come on, this is like way too fucking jolly. It's fine. We'll get him happy. Steve, and then he'll start liking Abba. Not gonna we'll, we'll find him. Wow, we'll find him someone Matt. nice to, to cuddle up to at night. This is the ultimate heel turn. I never saw it coming. Unbelievable! Straight away, first track, he's gone in two footed on Abba. Jesus! It's going to be difficult anyway, to come back well, from this one, isn't it? I, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, like, I'm, I'm terrified of what know. is going to come later on. <laughs> no, you should be. <laughs> um. I don't even know what it is. Like I, I've never, I've never liked them. And in fairness, they were one of those bands like Queen. Like I never liked Queen, and then all of a sudden that clicked like a couple of years ago. So maybe it will one day because like one of my best mates is like a massive, massive ABBA fan. So you know, I hear them a lot. Like obviously they're played on the radio loads anyway. But like I'm exposed to them quite a lot. But nah, sorry. <laughs> I am frankly. Staggered. So I don't even know what it is with ABBA. Um, why I don't like them, other than the fact that it is a bit too fun. I don't know, like, obviously everyone knows the songs. Obviously they're always in my head. I get, like, I hear them loads, but they've just never... Like, they're not one of the bands that I hate. I don't hate their songs. I don't, like, rush to turn it off, but just, like, does nothing for me. But I had this with Queen for many, many years, and then that sort of clicked all of a sudden. So maybe it will one day. Not right now. Well, I hope for your sake it does, because uh, I think ABBA are absolutely fucking brilliant. Um, anyway, shall we move on from ABBA to something that's way more gay because it's metal? And that's an entry from Sweden's Neighbours to the East, Finland, and their entry from the 2006 competition, which didn't just win. It fucking won by an absolute fucking landslide. It ran away with it really early. And that was Lordy with Hard Rock Hallelujah. And again, I know you were only about nine when this happened in 2006, Matt, but you must have known about this from when it happened, right? Because this was everywhere. I can't remember from when it happened, but like definitely shortly after. It, this is hilarious, isn't it? Like, the performance, it's the hat for me. Like, the Finland, like, fucking <laughs> bucket hat. Like, the contrast to the outfit. But um, this is they're like a one-hit wonder, right? Like, this is their only sort of thing that ever did anything. In the Outside of Finland, yes. In Finland, not so mm, much. Yeah. Oh, okay, because... And they're also a bit, like, sort of Poundland Guar, aren't they? Because, like... I mean, I thought that they were actually the same band for years apparently not slightly different in terms action. of Eurovision in terms of Eurovision and like the other performances from this list that we'll go through 
this actually seems like a quite stripped back performance. You know, barring the outfits and you know, barring when his wings come out. Other than that, it's pretty, pretty straight ahead metal band, isn't it? I mean, it's a, it's a decent song. I like it. And it has the line "The Day of Rockening," which is quite funny. I like this song very much. I think it's uh, funny. I mean, you know, 2006, I was massively into metal and that was my primary concern musically. And so I was delighted to see Lordy, who I was already familiar with. I think I all, I think I might have had one of Lordy's albums before they did uh, Eurovision, but I can't remember what it was called. I don't know what it is. Um, but yeah, they were, they were, they were a band that I was, you know, I'm not going to go as far as to say I was like interested in them, but I certainly knew of them and that made me want to root for them for Eurovision. And is it a great song? I don't know. Like, I'm not really sure it's an amazing song, but it's certainly like the only time any band like this has ever kind of got close to Eurovision glory. And I think we should be delighted that they did do that, really, because, you know, good for them. When it, don't so. don't forget as well it had the effect that it was the it was the point the rest of the world particularly the kind of the anglosphere which tends to look west to america not east to europe it was the first time we became aware oh finland's the most metal place in the world because and the year after they put terrace petoni into the competition you know, this kind of really forgettable metal band but they're metalness was now so big that it had permeated so much of their popular culture that they couldn't not win Eurovision with a metal band eventually. Like it was going to happen sooner or later. This was just kind of the stars aligning. I remember like I was like not really watching the competition that year. It was on but I wasn't really paying attention. And I kinda of heard the bit at the start where there's the bit where he shouts hard rock, hallelujah and I just immediately turned round, saw the kind of the, you say budget Gua. It's Gua with a better budget, I think. Like Gua look kind of the part of Gua's appeal is that they do look kind of cheap and schlocky, whereas this actually yeah. kind of looks like someone has tried to make it look good but failed, and it's it looks like someone has spent time and money on it and it's just not worked very well. And the, uh, there's kind of a, a slightly slipknot vibe about some of the masks as well, which Gua don't have. They're trying to be much more space alieny, um, and then you've got the keyboards which are straight out of europe uh it's 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 a it's a very good song it's not very well sung if we 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 are honest the singing is not very good and oh, it's, yeah, it's terrible called, but yeah isn't that meant to be oh yeah but it's not a song contest though is it like even me who you know oh, as we're i'm oh, not very knowledgeable we, about this is it do people actually care about the songs we well we'll get to that because there's a famous case of like the song being great and the singing f- killing it for someone that we'll get to hmm. Um, I like the wings coming out. You mentioned this. this so with it. It's so like, camp and <laughs> it's so good. It's ridiculous. And I just went, that's fucking awesome. And uh, of course, the moment yeah. I, that happened, I went, oh, please let them win. And I was like, but it won't, though, will it? It won't. It, they, it never does. And it fucking did. I wanted him to be like on a harness and I wanted him to go flying across the audience. But, you know, so I was a bit let down in the end. He's, cool. he's a big guy. The costume. So is Paul Stanley, well. mate. So is Paul Stanley, but he still does it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but Kiss's budget is quite a lot more than Lordy's. You know? Yeah, I, mean? I imagine. Yeah, I think there are Kiss tribute bands that have a bigger budget than Lordy. To be fair, yeah, that's you true. Know, playing like the Dog and Duck. I interviewed him once, Mr. Lordy. 
You know the Discs yeah. of Doom thing in, in yes. Metal Hammer? Yeah. yeah. I did a Discs of Doom with Mr. Lordy. And he, I'm deadly serious. He never does interviews out of makeup. He just won't on principle because he does not want people to know what he looks like because he really appreciates the fact that he can go on stage and actually play to quite big crowds in his own country and then walk down to the shops for a pint of milk and no one knows it's him, which I, I kind of respect. But mm. he was he was interesting. Big Christina Aguilera fan. Who isn't? Well, I mean, at the time, quite a lot of people in metal. <laughs> uh, probably. This, this is quite uh, a long time ago. Yeah. Shame that. Uh, oh, mate, that's cool. I didn't. I've, I've never had the pleasure of Mr. Lordy's company. So, um, yeah, you've you've got that over me, mate. Yeah, um, I, you've probably got a few over me. But this, that was one. Of the, I got I got an email saying, "Would you be interested in in interviewing Mr. Lordy?" Yes, of course. It's Mr. Lordy. <laughs> fucking one year of his. Yeah, I'd love, I, you, to be fair, the, I would like that. I would like that. Where is he? I'll go straight there. Do you not want to know what it is? No, it's Mr. Lordy. I'll do it. there's one for the bucket list anyway um, was it in person yeah 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 oh my god amazing he put it all on to talk to you in a hotel fucking hell that's commitment I respect that yeah he was in in the full makeup because this was at the point where you like doing Skype interviews was something people were really reluctant to do and because it's Finland there was actually a little bit of budget to send in places and do press events so he pitched up in London. They were looking for someone who was free on a Tuesday or something to go and interview Miss Lordy, and I was. And I was like, fuck yeah, of course I'm going to do it. It's Miss Lordy. Amazing. Yeah, it was one of the, the most surreal things I've ever done. I'm sitting in a hotel with a demon. in in And, of course, anyone looking in, looking over here was like, is he? That's the guy. The, huh? Huh? And and I'm just there. You know, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about you know what pop records you like and things like that. And you know, I think the one thing, the one downside was that I think that was at the point where uh, Lulu was still new. And so the, when you ask people what album should just never have been made, the answer was always Lulu. And I got really bored. And there's a couple of people who just went. Everyone says Lulu. Could you pick something else? Mm. <laughs> anyway, um, enough about enough about my. Um, <laughs> journalistic career let's crack on with our top five acts and the way we're going to do this is because like we've structured this in quite different ways um what we're going to do is steve's going to do his five and we're going to talk about them and then i'm going to do my five and then we're going to talk about them. we're not going to intercut them because we can't find a way that we agree on that makes any sense to to you guys so yeah i've done mine in kind of chronological order rather yeah. than any kind of quality control to be honest whereas i went that extra level of anal retention and you know, put them in my order of preference well good you know i i, I that would have taken me a, quite a long time i reckon actually it probably wouldn't take me that long at all um my first pick is uh ding a dong by teach in uh which was the winner of the eurovision song contest in 1975 from the netherlands and the reason that i've picked this is because i think you can tell just how big an impression ABBA made in 1974 yeah. because this basically just tries to do exactly yeah. the same thing and it's yeah. kind of weird it actually ended up being a number one hit in Switzerland and Norway and quite amazingly it reached number 13 on the UK singles chart as well but I just like how it's trying so hard to be ABBA so hard I mean if you watch the performance of it you know it's kind of sergeant pepper's band with 
um, quite a mumsy looking singer. I do like the chorus as well. The chorus uh, translates to, is it long ago that my heart called you with its ding, ding a dong? Is it long ago? Is it long ago? In the summer sun, it went bim, bam, bom. TikTok went the hours. How long would it take? And that won. That actually won. It's really Austin Powers. You can imagine some sort of groovy, sort of late 60s folk loving it. It's got a big hook. I think the hook is massive. And I can't get still in my head now. Big guitar riff. I quite rate this and I'm quite interested to know um, what you boys think of it, particularly you, Matt. I'm assuming you despise it, but I guess we'll find out. Well, after what I've just said about ABBA, I guess I should really, shouldn't I? But I don't like, I was grinning like ear to ear from like 10 seconds into this one. <laughs> and I, like, when it started, to, I thought, it? yeah, when it started, I thought it might be serious. But then the first time she sings Ding a Dong, like really fucking fast in the middle of like two lines. Like, I was like, okay, I was sort of getting suspicious that it might not be entirely serious. Yeah. And then, you know, lines like, you walk along with your ding-dang-dong. Like, I, I'm not, I can't take it seriously at all. And the backing vocals, ding-dong-ding-dong, like, it's too much, isn't it? You say it's very abo, it is very abo. It's also sort of sounds like Dionne Warwick has had a bit too much to drink. It yeah. is, though, incredibly fucking catchy. Like, which is annoying. It is going to be stuck in my head for a long time. I also like the way at the end um, the camera just like cuts to the xylophonist and he just like hits something and he just looks so surprised at what's just happened. I think it's, the fact that he's a xylophonist and he's on stage at Eurovision is what is surprising <laughs> him, to be perfectly honest. But yeah. I, Tom? Trust, trust the Dutch to enjoy dinging a dong. Um, I, Every time they do a kind of a uh, montage of like the greatest Eurovision winners, right, which happens every five years or so, right, I think uh, this comes on and I think, I don't know this song. And then it gets about three seconds in and I go, yes, I do. And it, for some reason, it's that song I always forget, even though I really like it. I don't know why. I have, it, I've heard this song 20 times and every time it comes on for the first time, I go, I don't know this. And then I realise I'm an idiot. It's really fun. It's it's much more silly than ABBA. Like ABBA is kind yeah. of kitsch and kitsch and fun and hey and and kind of it's a bit more ABBA's a bit more disco. This is very 1960s, but look at mm. it. This is it's ABBA in the style of people who are much too old to do ABBA, right? Because it is the ABBA yes. were a lot younger than this band or whoever wrote it anyway. Um, it's it it is a very like it's a it's. If you bought ABBA from Wish.com, right? If remember that mean this is the this <laughs> yeah. is that in nineteen seventy five before you know the internet. It really good song, really horrible costumes again, really terrible awful stage costumes. production, just like awful and just part of the charm though, isn't it? Yeah, and I love the fact that they do look like a pub band. They look like yeah. a pub covers band. They look like just... creme brulee. Do you remember from the League of Gentlemen? That's yes, like. yes, yeah. No, that's exactly it. And it, it, but it's, you know what, good songs will survive. Mm. People just look, people like good music, and if they think a song is good, it will last, and that's why this song has, and that's why you remember it, and I forget I remember it, and then remember well, it. My first introduction to this song was actually a cover that Edwin Collins. Remember Edwin Collins? I've never met a girl like you before. Edwin Collins oh God, from yeah, Orange yeah. Juice. He did a cover of this song. On the show Eurotrash. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. that was the first time I'd heard it. I was like, this is quite a good song. Good for you, Edwin Collins. Oh, fuck me. It's not you at all. Christ. <laughs> on the YouTube video performance that I watched this from, there was a load of comments saying that it is actually a really good song and it still stands up today, which I sort of agree with. I like this. And it good. certainly stands up better than Eurotrash, which is apparently coming out on DVD, which could be like interesting for a load of people who buy Fucking it and quickly get remorse. I mean, coming out on DVD is probably, that's not the... The who who buys fucking group. yeah? Who buys DVDs? Put it on Netflix for Christ's sake! But I well, the same the same I people who want to watch Euro Trash in twenty twenty two. Yeah. Um. So there you go. Yes, ding a dong. Good song. I'm glad you liked it. I I, I, I like that song. Um. I'm moving forward to nineteen eighty one now. Again, another winner. Um. Quite an iconic winner. Uh. Bucks Fizz making your mind up now. Is this? I sort of picked this without listening to it because, and then I've gone back to it and I'm like, is this actually good? Is this actually good? Not really. I think there's the iconic dance move and they went on to do Land of Make Believe, which I thought was good when I was a kid. Again, I listened to that uh, in the build-up to this and that is fucking awful as well. It's got to number one (laughs) in the UK. That is a bad song. That That is a bad song. I mean, it won. What are the positives? I mean, it's got a classic glam rock, the sweet drum pattern to it. Um, I kind of like the key change and a bit of sax in the background. But really, this is about nostalgia. Quite a few of my picks are about nostalgia. And this reminds me of like Timmy Mallet, Cannon and Ball, Bobby Davro, <laughs> Max Headroom. 90- this is this is Britain in the 1980s. Jim, Jim <laughs> Less so. But like, this is, you, do you know what I mean? Like, there is a train of thought that ends somewhere really bad if you get yeah, that. Yeah, so let's, like, let's swerve that train a little bit. Um, you know, Spit the Dog. Rod Hull and Emu, like that is what this reminds me of, all of those things. And I think, and I'm going to sort of preface it with this, like Matt, if you don't remember or are not aware of those things, I think you might look at this and go, fucking hell, what is this shit? But it sort of just, I remember, you know, when pop music was really silly, really fun, and it became in the sort of 90s into the early 2000s and beyond a bit, it got a bit arch and a bit kind of happy with itself, which, you know, we'll discuss a little bit later. Um, and this doesn't have that at all. I mean, people go, well, it was quite risque at the time. And you watch the, the the thing and you go, that was risque? Like two blokes in jumpers, like grinning, and two girls like having their shirts, <laughs> their skirts did get pulled off. But for that was weird. The, the same skirt, basically, in it, like it's the same length skirt. <laughs> it's quite an iconic dance move. It, it is weird, undoubtedly, looking at it now. Um, but you know I'm not sure this is actually good but it does have some sort of warm fuzzy nostalgic feelings for me so I sort of had to put it in yeah obviously not in the same way but I did sort of have because like I knew this but I hadn't heard it for years but you know when like there's a song that you sort of have in your mind that you think you remember it as and that was just the main line for me and I just sort of forgot on the rest of the song and yeah it's bad isn't it like it's really bad and they it's a weird performance because they just look so like creepily happy like sort of psychopath vibes and yeah i don't like this you say about you know the nostalgia thing like this is sort of 80s and people say now that we're having a sort of 80s revival with like music with fashion stuff like that it's not quite this is it 
this no, is not do you know 80s, what? I, but this isn't 80s, is it? This is. Well, I think this, it is. I think this is much more representative of Britain in the 80s than like a lot of things that you see. I mean, I, so I went to an 80s. Good, I'm glad you picked up on that, Max. I went to an 80s themed birthday party a couple of months ago, and there was a girl there, yes. and she was 27, and she came and she just had like a kind of cat suit on and she had a big pair of glasses and we were like oh hi how you doing and she went oh i'm elton john and i was like that's the <laughs> 70s isn't it that's the 70s he wasn't really wearing that stuff in the <laughs> 80s and yeah you wearing you're wearing flares and you like and i think a lot of the sort of 80s nostalgia that is happening now quite a lot of it is framed by that kind of i don't often look at nostalgic 80s stuff and go oh yeah that really reminds me of the 80s when i look at this and like that's the real 80s bucks fizz is you know fucking rod jane and freddie that's the real 80s mate not not what you see on stranger things tanking economy and lots of strikes going on this is this time reminds yeah. me of the 80s that's the 80s revival yeah. that does remind me of the 1980s and plastic pitch at kenilworth road that's what that's the 80s mate oh I mean, hopefully they're not going to bring back the tackle from behind because I think that might be a bit bit too no. far. Um, I mean, the hate revival. I always think of stuff like Soft Cell and Pet Shop Boys, something which had a kind of a darkness and edge, but was still pop music. This, this, I listen to this, and I've always thought this. There is a Matt is absolutely right to pick up the happiness thing because there is a happiness in their eyes that, to me, usually speaks of one thing, one of two things. One is illicit chemicals which I'm absolutely sure we're not involved in this please don't sue me Thugsfizz. Um or the kind of profound faith that makes you think there's probably some kind of cultish figure lurking in the background right because there's this kind of <laughs> this glazed look in the eye that says I'm so happy I'm happy I'm happy I'm happy I'm happy that it sounds like there is a really like dark documentary behind it I don't think there is I think they are just kind of naturally happy people judging by Cheryl Baker when she was on um, Record Breakers which Matt won't have heard of, but me and Stephen definitely remember from our childhood, yeah. uh, which was a huge kids' TV show back in the day. Um, there is this kind of weird happiness there, and I've kind of i I haven't sat down and watched it this seriously for a long time. Obviously, I've heard the song hundreds of times because it's been bloody everywhere. If you like Eurovision, um, there is. I'm glad everyone thinks it's naff, by the way, because I was worried I was going to sound unpatriotic by saying like. Oh, our penultimate winner it's a bollock song it's really bad but i look at it and i think it to me is like the twist for people who thought the beatles were dangerous and needed to be stopped right it is incredibly incredibly straight laced but mm. it's trying to be kind of down with the kids at the same time and it's doing that thing of saying we're going to try and do something that's cool and hip and, and, and it's it's absolutely Steve Buscemi turning up with the skateboard over his shoulder saying hello fellow kids right it's, yeah, yeah they're doing absolutely that absolutely what it's doing yeah 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 I love the um the, the the Wikipedia page the last line of the origins on the Wikipedia page this song says the lyrics of the song are largely meaningless <laughs> largely <laughs> largely meaningless I mean completely meaningless surely like I, I don't think anyone knows or cares what this song is about they just want to go for making your mind up and that's sort of you, it really, that was it? it that was the one line that i remembered yeah. you say that but i did find the bit in the bridge about being taken from behind quite funny 
I was going to ask if you'd uh, picked up on that, Tom. And, and, well, of course yeah, I yeah, And you have, and I'm delighted. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's silly. It's it's light entertainment. This is Butlins, isn't it? Butlins in the 80s. You go on holiday I, with, your, with your... It's it's like, it's a rip-off of Butlins, though, isn't it? It's, like, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the one that's just down the coast from Butlins. It's not Butlins, it's Dutlins. And it, no, it's not Pontins, it's Montins. And it, it's that, right? right? It's yeah. the budget rip-off. Of Green something coats. that was already budget. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, can't can't afford coats. Um, but yeah, it's just, it was. It's not very good, but it, I did find that lyric very funny. Yeah, it's it's not great. I mean, I just sent it to you, and I thought, well, we should talk about it. And I was the person who picked it. I mean, you picked one of my favourites, so I just had to kind of get something else in there. But that's cool. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, I then went fast forwarded fourteen years. Oh, how music changed in those fourteen years, didn't they? Oh, the changes that we saw throughout that period to nineteen ninety five. Um, unbelievably, having never mentioned this song since nineteen ninety five, I actually quickly mentioned it last week on Riot Act and. Uh, it's being mentioned on the show again two weeks running love city groove by love city groove now i think this is in here is in here because for me i paid attention to the uk's entries quite a lot from sort of 1988 onwards and this marked something of a change in the direction to the uk's entries i think we started to try and update the medium of what we were sending out there a little bit i'm not sure the rest of europe were really that interested in doing that but this was a song like for everyone who loved Colour Me Bad and Charles and Eddie back in the sort of early 90s, it was one of them. And I don't think this is the worst song ever. Got to number seven on the UK singles chart here in the UK. Finished 10th and got 76 points in Eurovision in 1995. Sold 200,000 copies. Can you imagine that? 200,000 physical copies of the single were sold. Um, but their follow-up single, Soft Spot, didn't make the chart at all and love city groove vanished completely and i do think there's a lot of nostalgia attached to this song but you know what i'm happy to go by who by me oh right okay as long as you (laughs) weren't extending that to the popular culture at large no 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 one remembers this i don't think but you know what i'm happy to say i actually quite like this song yeah I, i had never heard this um oh dear uh, no, they sort of sound like they have just heard Blunted on Reality by Fuji's and been like, hey, we can do that. No, you can't. Um, <laughs> is that, is it, or, because I thought it was something much less credible than the Fuji's. Fuji's really good. This was something, mm-hmm. I immediately heard something well, much less Charles credible. Well, Charles and Eddie that. colour me bad. I want to oh, set no, you less up. Credible. Right? Less credible. Less credible than Charles and Eddie, is that a thing? <laughs> yep. DJ Jersey Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Boom, shake, shake the room. I mean, Boom Shake the Room is an absolute fucking banger. Like you can't. It's a banger, I, it, but it's not it's, credible, is it? No, no, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's got a kind of you can't touch this turtle power sort of vibe to it. I think this song, yeah. which is like absolutely fine with me. It's. Mm, she, I mean, she is like her accent though. I know you know these days everyone sort of puts on accents, but like it's the most American thing I've ever heard. And like fucking behave yourself. You are English, and then. The guy that sings the chorus, well, I say sings the chorus, like, with the pedo tash, it's just, that's not going very well for him, is it? Like, he is, it's weird. And then, because the other guy <laughs> sort of actually can rap, it's just the weirdest fucking mix of what the fuck is going on. Well, they, I mean, you get, but the, the hook, surely, in the morning, when the sun shines down on your body, that is a good If I hook, had right? a penny for every time I heard that when I, in my last year of primary school, I would have been a fucking millionaire. 
I know, big hook. Everywhere. And, but, like, and every, it was really weird hearing, hearing like, a load of... Because I was, I think, 10 or 11 when this song got, came out. And mm. hearing lots of 10 and 11-year-olds sing that song as, and, like, parents... Yeah, we're really teachers, making love now. Yeah, yeah, that must have been kind of really, <laughs> like, do we need to have a conversation? Do we need to actually call someone in authorities to investigate what's going on here? And it was, no, it's just a really bad pop song. I mean, ironically, us here in the UK... We were actually quite good at doing this sort of new soul sort of thing. Maybe sort of seven, eight years prior. I'm mean, going to talk about it quite a lot. Bomb the Bass, Beats International, Nana Cherry, Rebel MC, MC Tunes, 808 State, Soul to Soul. I still listen to all that stuff. That 88 to kind of 91, 92 period of, you know, British soul and um, I guess lighter sounding hip hop. We did that really, really well. We were fucking good at that stuff. That stuff still sounds up really well today. But I think definitely it got co-opted for Eurovision. It feels like a weird pick. It feels like a proper, like, left-field pick to do this sort of, you know, like you say, Fuji's-esque soul soft rap song, like, and whack it in Eurovision. Feels like a really weird thing to do. And for that alone, at the, I mean, you won't believe it now, Matt, but at the time... That felt like quite a kind of cutting edge, forward thinking thing for the UK to do. It genuinely did. Fucking wild. I mean, Am I it, making it up? No, 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 no. It did. Well, I suppose it did, but I was like, again, I was 11. I did, I'm not sure I had exactly, my fingers were on the pulse of the UK music scene or anything like that. I, I do remember this song, because I couldn't remember who this was when you sent me the, the name. And I. I then put it on, and I, it was when the chorus came in. I went, "Oh no, yes, I remember. I heard this fucking shitloads of times when I was eleven, and I haven't heard it since because the last time I heard it would have been at my primary school Leavers disco. Uh, that, that's how old I am because it was not called a prom yet. Um, and considering that was only a few months after the contest, that's a really bad sign for how quickly this vanished from the popular." Um, yeah, it totally vanished. Consciousness. Yeah. It, it like was with within a year. It was just nowhere. It was it was it was incredibly big for a very brief period of time, and then vanished. Which is always the absolute guaranteed sign that people didn't actually like it. They just were kind of there was something about it that captured their attention for forty five seconds, and then it was done. And that's absolutely what happened. It's it's a rubbish song with a good hook. It was Shame that's Ward. All. It was Shame Ward, wasn't it? Basically, I don't know who that is. He won X Factor exactly. He won X Factor in two thousand five. I want to say, right? Sounds about right. Yeah. So Matt, um, I'm interested. Out of ten, if you had to rent, you don't have to do this for all of them, but rank this song out of ten. If you had to, the performance. How um, many points? Yeah, I mean it's a four. If I'm feeling generous, I take that. Matt likes it more than I do. I'll, I'll take it. Oh, well. yeah, I'm not. I'm not asking you. Um, anyway, let's move on. <laughs> I knew that was going to be something which would get uh, like a pretty lukewarm reaction, to be honest. But I'm wondering if this will get a better reaction. Ten years later, <laughs> Moldova, 2005. No, okay. Um, Zobzi Zub, Bunica Bait Toba, uh, a Mongolian funk folk punk band. Now this is the year before Lordy, and yes. I remember seeing this, and I remember seeing it and thinking they were sort of some kind of go-go bordello red hot chili peppers funk folk punk metal mashup and they had an old woman sitting on a rocking chair hitting a drum finished sixth that year i really wanted it to win i really genuinely wanted it to win it translates as grandma beats the a drum i mean 
the song itself i think that yeah the song is weird right the song is weird um it's got a pretty annoying tin whistle thing on it i can't be too angry about that one element from it i like how it goes a bit it goes kind of full pixies dare i say it at one point um there's a bit where he says she's a drum machine you know what i mean I don't actually, mate. I'm really sorry. I don't know it at all. Uh, but interesting little fact about Zobzy Dub. In 1996, they supported both Biohazard and the Rollins Band in Europe. Wow. Okay. That's that changes your, changes your opinion on them at all. Um, they were Moldova's entry this year. Yeah, they've been. They've done it a bunch of times. Uh, yeah, I did see that they've done it a few times, and I, I, I mean, I chose not to put myself through it again. Um, <laughs> yeah. Go on, then, Matt. Go on. Hashtag what do you spoilers. <laughs> no, this is just sort of where I get a bit confused with Eurovision in general, I guess, because like surely this is a joke, but then I guess it's like on about the same level of hilarity as some others, which I believe are meant to be serious, and I just don't know what's going on anymore. Like this is fucking. What what is the drum lady? Why why is she there? It's strange, and like I love how much the singer thinks he's Anikidis un- un- as well. That's quite good. Or did I? Does he? I thought he thought he was Fat Mike. Nah, he's more Kiedis, isn't he? Okay, I think. I, 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 I just I looked at them when they didn't know FX look like that just without the folk costumes and that at that point. Yeah, I mean they definitely did a bit. Yeah, they definitely like there's 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 a, a big amalgam of sort of funk, skate punk, folk punk. You know, a bit of Dropkick Murphys, a bit of Flogging Molly, a bit of Nerf X, yeah, a bit of Red Hot Chili Peppers, Molly. a bit of Living Colour, a bit of mm. um, like early Faith No More. Do you know what I mean? Like it's all those kind of things all sort of blobbed Most of whom together. I like. Mm. Not this. This was, um, I, I mean, I, this was like the one where I thought you might be trolling a little bit. Well, I, I, just to sort of explain my rationale for it again, you know, it felt like, oh, look, there's an actual sort of alternative bla- band playing at Eurovision. And at that point, I think just in amongst lots of pop music, which was um, super kind of uh, polished. And I mean, we'll talk about one of the UK's entries from around this period. And I thought it felt like a nice antidote. I mean, I don't, again, listening back to the song, I'm not sure it's a great song, but it felt like quite an interesting antidote to the rest of the stuff that was happening in Eurovision particularly around that time where it had got really kind of shiny and polished and you know very 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 silly and this is silly in a different sort of way i think see i i do like this song i and i still like this song and i have but i really wanted them to win this year because i thought their song this year was mu- not only much much better but was the best song in the competition didn't win because you know it, this kind of stuff is never going to win um and I kind of, I don't, I think they might be quite serious because Gogol Bordello are not taking the piss. And they've been no, you're right, they're not, time. no, no, no. So true. I don't think you do this for as long as they do without taking it seriously. They just might have a sense of humour about it in the same way that a lot of bands mm. have a sense of humour but are serious about the music. Um, I, I didn't want it to win that year, even though I did like the song, though, because I wanted Norway's entry to win from that year. It wasn't a... Uh, nationalist thing it was just they they had uh the band wigwam with a song called in my dreams do you remember that steve yes i do yes i like absolutely somewhere do. between twisted sister and bon jovi which of course the, i just went yep that's that's good i'll yeah I, I i felt like that was a kind of a, a, a good year for kind of that was a kind of good like warm-up for the lordy year right 
Yeah, it was actually, and it cl- I, possible that Finland had seen this and gone, "Our time has come. Let's uh, <laughs> yeah. summon the demons." Wigwam actually played at the uh, the festival I was in in Norway. Uh, really? Yeah, which was wild, and obviously not to get too dark, but it was they played on the last day, which was the night after the terrorist attack the night before, and they did like a minute silence for, and like the whole festival that day was like so much like pride merch pride flags and everything because obviously it was an attack on the gay bar um and like they did a minute silence and there was a few bands that like you know did stuff for for it and it was really lovely to see but yeah i'd never heard of them before and they, they were there so it was cool cool all right well there you go i mean um we've gone off old zobzy dub a bit but that's fine yeah i do remember wigwam excellent maybe i should have picked them maybe i should have picked them but i am gonna end my five with uh one of the more modern ones 2021 cyprus is entry um elena sagrenu i believe that is how you pronounce it el diablo not a cover of the will haven song sadly she's actually greek <laughs> elena sagrenu but was representing cyprus that's a terrible sellout thing to do isn't it to, to go and like your closest rivals and you go and give your song to your closest that's rivals. not their closest that's rivals their closest who? rivals are turkey oh turkey of course yeah all right so they, yeah. actually yeah they're quite friendly aren't they cyprus and well, yeah, yeah they well, are, they're okay. friendly with half of it they don't let the north they're not so fond of the south they like all right okay um you're showing me up here Tom. i, I like this a lot <laughs> i mean basically like it feels very lady gaga which is obviously excellent it really sounds like a kind of cross between alejandro and bad romance um yeah, bad 16. romance very very mm. significantly and you know look i don't care for the kids choir but they don't you know they don't do a machine head and keep them in there too long they get rid of them really <laughs> fucking quickly which is if you're going to use a kids choir use them very sparingly fine but there's a bit where it all stops and she comes back in and it's such a like that that to me is like the the proper sort of fist pumping euphoric eurovision moment which i think sums up this competition so much and uh i think it is it feels like like a proper serious pop song like it feels like a really good modern pop song i i would back this el diablo i think it's i think it's great i think it should have come higher personally this is fucking excellent i love this good like like you said it is sort of serious it's got a whole like professional dance routine and everything like in amongst a mountain of what the fuck is going on this is like if someone took eurovision seriously you said about gaga it's a mix of that it's got a bit of destiny's child in there a bit of the saturdays bit of Nicki minaj like i'm all about this aren't I? like i genuinely fucking love this song to the point where like i've added her to my list of like stuff to check out because if the rest of the stuff is like as good as this then yeah i'm fucking so in wicked i feel like i've i feel like my picks have uh have all been coming to this point and we've, we've yeah sort of arrived at a good yeah. place yeah um anyway t- tom what do you reckon of this song I, I have a quick question how much of your enjoyment of this but to both of you is because she is a very attractive lady who is wearing mm. very little of anything yeah. well look you know she is a very attractive lady she's wearing very little of, every, of anything pop music's glamorous i want pop music to be glamorous i want it to be mm-hmm. glamorous i want it to be like aspirational like i i like all that shit so you know when it's being when it's a great song performed by someone who looks amazing like matt said it's got a dance troupe i think it was um quite you know it's a it's a classy bit of production as well yeah man like uh, the 
product the production and the presentation of it is obviously very very important but let's not think that detracts so i think you put this song on on spotify and you're like that's a banger yeah because i thought it was perfectly fine i was just a bit surprised that you were kind of rating it in your top five because it is good don't get me wrong but I tend to hear like one or two of these every year and I'm always interested to know why people retain because most of the stuff that I've kind of retained is stuff that either kind of enter popular culture in for me in another way or something that I just remember on the night sitting up and going that is fucking great because and it's often the this is not the same as everything else particularly like if it's one of the years where there's just lots of like good guitar ballads where just like would someone please just plug in a fucking synthesizer or a, a, a guitar or anything just like put, just turn on an instrument that involves you know electricity um i just thought it was good but not like i didn't get any kind of i didn't get much wow from it apart from going oh that bit sounds like bad romance that's cool it really stood out to me on the night when i was watching and i was like okay. this this song feel like it just i think it felt like I think mod, like modern pop is in a very, yeah. very good space right now. Yeah. And I think you watch the Eurovision Song Contest sometimes. And actually, I mean, you've picked one, Tom, which I think is, I would say, a similar thing about. And I think, like, it can... It's, it's pop music now does actually take itself quite seriously and I think it's right to because I think it's quite artistically very sort of interesting and challenging at the moment. And I think this was a song that I listened to that I was like, this is just a really good modern pop song. Like, it's not it's not groundbreaking in the grand or anything or really original or unique in the grand scheme of things but for Eurovision it feels like it's got it's just a touch of class that some of them don't have I think fair enough yeah if more entries sort of sounded like this then I'd definitely be watching the competition and there are years where actually this would be pretty typical it's just that there's been the odd few years where that's been what tends to happen is that if something wins that is a bit unusual into, so that doesn't sound like this is that you will have a few years where everyone's trying to do the same thing so there was an absolutely dire song that won for Portugal a few years ago it was this kind of slightly odd quirky guy who was kind of crooning and doing this kind of quite like mellow thing very kind of coffee shop wank and ever since everyone's tried to do coffee shop wank and it's it's it, hopefully now that that hasn't won for a good few years and people have one with more interesting things that will go away again and we'll have more like this because one thing like this is going to win eventually i just don't think it's quite captured the imagination the way some other songs have we call in the episode coffee shop wank then (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay that's that's good for me i mean it's not something i've ever experienced personally and i'd like to keep it that way but uh, it's a good title all right good well there you go there's my five so tom excellent yes well, my, my i obviously have to kick the um queer factor up significantly with my first pick because i'm going straight in with dana international who was uh the israeli entry from 1998 with the song diva which won and it it was a really rare case at that point of someone winning with a song that wasn't in english because generally the it's odd that despite us not necessarily being most popular nation with our continental cousins the lingua franca in music in uh, europe is very much english so if you want to do well in um a song contest like this usually you've had to sing in english diva though absolutely not and the darn international for anyone who doesn't know it is trans and came out in at the age of 13 in 1982 Right, which gives you an idea of how fucking badass she must be, because that was not exactly an easy thing to do back then. And this is a, such a 
tune. It's a, just a brilliant pop song. It's you know a really good singer singing a really good song really well. It's not actually that complicated. Uh, obviously, the plus side though is that massive queer icon overnight, and and still a great song twenty four years later. This uh, this was an interesting one, no, because this uh, like the beat and the sincere sort of what comes to mind when I think about Eurovision, just like that novelty disco thing, like the sort of all-inclusive package holiday hotel entertainment, um, which, you know, you need sometimes, don't you? And I don't know if, like, I enjoyed this, but I don't know if it was the, um, just like the YouTube video that I saw of it, but the backing vocals were like hilariously out of tune. So that, that was good. I enjoyed that. I also love the fact that she just looks incredibly fucking bored through the whole thing. Um, <laughs> I watched... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I watched the winning performance rather than, like, in the main show. It just looks like she's thinking, oh, fuck, I've got to perform it again, have I? But then the last 30 and seconds... And I'm going to have to do it next year as well. <laughs> then the last 30 seconds, she's like, oh, fuck it. And she just starts pulling the most ridiculous poses and dance moves. And, yes. Yeah, I think I liked it. Did she look bored or was she just wearing a lot of makeup? Because back then, t- TV did not make you look particularly good. Mm. Yeah. Oh, this is true. Like some of the older ones that you guys have both picked. <laughs> it was quite it was quite amusing, like seeing the video quality after what we're used to today. Yeah. I mean, dude, I remember this, obviously. Um, this song is catchy as fuck still. All these years later. Now, at the time... I have to say, when you were living in the 90s and you were being bombarded with that kind of Euro dance throb and pumping beat like all the time in pop music. Um, On chorus? You, yeah, you would, you would, I was massively like, please no more, please no more. But 20, what was this 1998? So 24 years yeah. later, the year after Katrina and the Waves. I mean, the sending piano on it is fucking awesome. I just love the sound of this stuff. Again, it might be a nostalgia thing. It sounds great. The chorus is massive. The chorus is absolutely massive. Uh, yeah, it's classic. And it was such a, it was a massive story. Like who she was yeah. was such a big story. Like I, yeah, I think. Just a slight warning. If you are trans, do not Google the stories from that era. Some of the language was, was not very evolved. It was just kind of, they didn't know what they were talking about. Yeah, I mean, retrospectives are much better. Oh, mate, to the point where it was like almost considered like a a novelty. Do you know what I mean? Like a complete lack of sort of respect and humanity given to her. And I think actually, like, it's one of those winners which is way ahead of its time. Um, Yeah. uh, And and it's also, you know, I I think it's something that you look, like you say, you look back on and you go, well, you know, you'd never be able to talk about another human being like like rightly will you not be able to speak about another no. human being in this manner. Someone who's won, like fair and square, won on the strength of like, you know, it's a great song. It's a great song. Yeah. And it was a good yeah, song that was sung well. That was why she won. It was it wasn't, you know, the rainbow flag picking up yeah. the phone and dialing a lot of times. It was no, no, just no, no. a really and, good song that people liked. And like Matt said, it's actually it's quite an understated performance. Like it's quite yeah. a boring, like not a boring performance, but it's you know, it's, it's, this is not an outrageous thing at all. This is just somebody earnestly singing a very good song, and for it to be turned into like oh god, another weird Eurovision thing, 
no nah, i didn't like that mate didn't like that but you know but it's now regarded as kind of one of the great eurovision moments right yeah. both from yeah, the yeah, point of, of view of look someone has won on their own merits and they're trans which is fucking mm. great but also mm-hmm. fucking hell that was a good song and great song. really that was a good song and it's, yeah, it's i kind song. of listened to it and went am i just remembering it as something that was really good because I was 14 and sometimes things that when when you're that age you remember as being great even if you heard them now you think they were shit Where, and I went, I stuck it on I went no this is just a brilliant song it's just really good it's that simple it's aged much better than 90% of my picks I have to say so you know and a lot more than like if you were to run through the other entries that <laughs> year I think it's aged a lot better than everything else that year yeah. um, this is a pick that may not age very well in a few years time but i remember hearing this last year and going that is fucking brilliant i want that to win because uh, my next pick is uh, which is my fourth favorite i'm doing this from reverse order so number five was uh Donna international number four is it go a or go ah it's go g it's go underscore and then the letter a no um, idea absolutely no, no idea me neither. Uh, with the with the song shoom which is the first of two ukrainian picks both of which should have won in my opinion neither of which did and both of which are better than the song that did win for Ukraine this year. Uh, and, and this take is now hot enough, let it stand before serving. Um, it's kind of like uh, a Ukrainian version of Heilung discovered EBM, right? It's, it's mad. It's this kind of, I don't even know how to describe it. It's lots of folk instrumentation. It's a singer repeating the same phrase and the same melody over and over again. But getting far, there's a massive accelerando through the whole thing. It just gets faster and faster and faster. It's like like an insane Eurovision version of Sailor's Hornpipe, um, and it's fucking insane. It's bonkers, and I absolutely love it. And I kind of I stuck it on when I was thinking, "What's my top five? To uh, and I was like, "Did I really enjoy it that much, or was it just that it stood out?" And I stuck it on and immediately went, "No, that's a great song. I love this song." Um, Knowing what Matt thinks about electronic music and particularly like industrial, I think this might be quite a hard sell. Should I run for cover? Honestly, this is so mental that it sort of makes me feel like I understand the Muse album. Like, what the fuck is going on here? Basically, is like, the right why answer. Is she, she's so unsettling. She can't sing in tune. Why is there a flute? You know how I feel about flutes. And I, and then yeah, and then it just goes like. We've got a jaw harp as well. Like, why is all these instruments here? No need. And then it goes all club. I no, this is a bit much for me, Tom. Steve, love this, mate. Oh, for fuck's sake! Fucking <laughs> love this shit. I don't remember hearing this, but this is exactly the sort of thing I want to listen to. I mean, so it's finished fifth. I don't know how it sort of passed me by. I think I must. I think I was kind of dipping in and out last year, to be fair. So I, I, I missed it. And I put it on and I was like, at first I was like, oh God, this is going to be weird. But this is like, there's a real sort of um, renaissance of 80s synth music um, being brought up to the modern era at the moment. And I am all about that shit, as all of our listeners at Right Act will know. Um, and... I think this is mental. This feels like something like Mike Patton would get involved with. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yes, this would definitely come out on Ipecac, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. And it's not even their best song. Like, I went and listened to their albums. Like, they're legit great, mate, this this band. They oh, are, I should like, do legit. that, because if this they're is not really the best good. song, I am going to love them. 
I mean, mate, I will take I will take them over soil work and Muse a hundred percent of the time. And I thought the performance, like I don't know what again the performance is is crazy. Like it's Erin like is, something out of the Antford, isn't it? It's bonkers. Yeah, and you know what? So she's in a grit like a lime dress with like antler horns, and then there's people sort of steering frisbees and all dressed in white behind. Like, it's really weird, but like I, 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 I loved it. anything that makes me go, oh god! Like first time I listened to it, I was like, oh, and then the second time I was like, actually, this is just so fucking relentlessly mad. It's unsettling, but really purpose. catchy. It was terrible. Yeah, I, I, I like it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Excellent. Well, I'm glad that Happy it's not you, just me because I. I, I I was aware that this one could go really badly for me. Um, um, I know exactly how the next picture is going to go with at least half of the other people. Because uh, number three, it, you might like this just a little bit, but you might like it. Hey, hey you won't like that joke. It's Gina G, hey, hey. who are just a little bit, uh, which was the uh, United Kingdom entry in 1996. Another song which uh, was being sung a lot in my like first year of secondary school class uh, with lyrics that are way more sexual than anyone, any adult in the room could have been comfortable with hearing out of a 12 year old um, frankly one of the best pop songs of all time, I'm just I, I think this Big is words. absolutely world class pop song that didn't win because on the night the performance was god awful and there's no way around it the performance on the night was really really bad and I it is absolutely me keeping this in is because I listen to the recorded version all the fucking time, just for pleasure, and because I haven't listened to the performance since about 1996, and the performance is really bad. It is a stunning pop song. It's pure 90s feel-good pop with just brilliantly like uncomfortably sexual lyrics. Um, if her earpiece had worked she would have won because that wasn't that what happened steve that she couldn't hear herself yeah so well yeah i mean look we, we the the uk like to make the uk like to make these kind of claims don't they that oh the monitors weren't working or the feed of playback wasn't working we, we've done it a fair few times so i don't know i mean we'll see like yeah she didn't sound great gina g i'm not sure gina g was brought in to sing this song on the strength of her vocal prowess to be perfectly honest i think it was maybe was it because she had nice legs it might be, and because she sort of was a bit like Kylie Minogue, wasn't she? She was like a sort of ginger. Yeah. Oh, she was Kylie Australian, Minogue. wasn't she? Yeah, she was Australian as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, mate, and also you've got like <laughs> weird old 1996 fucking Mac computers like on stage with her as well. Oh yeah, not that glamorous. Yeah. <laughs> like why, why, why have you put these on? That you don't, you don't need them, guys. Um, but yeah, mate, I've got to agree with you. Like this is just a fucking absolute banger for me it might be after waterloo it might be the all-time great eurovision song like i and again is that nostalgia probably a little bit but look mate it's an absolute massive tune got to number one in the uk singles chart do you know how many copies physical copies is sold in the uk a million six hundred thousand copies six hundred thousand people as many as i thought not as many as you thought, but for a single, like, you know, she's she's done all right. And and the amazing thing about this as well is that it actually got sort of top 20 in the US. Like, it yeah. was 
yeah. number 12 in the US and nominated for a Grammy this is a Grammy nominated song oh, well. it was nominated for best dance recording um May and I, now Matt's going to say he is, thinks it's a load of shit I love it no this is no it's a great song I, I mean I knew this anyway this is yeah it's a fucking banger this is like a pop world classic as well um of course and she just like yeah she can't sing live but she looks like she's having the best fucking time and I love that for her and also the dancers they look like they're having a seizure the whole way fucking through and it's hilarious <laughs> Also, the dress is awful. It, it just looks like she's wearing something that she nicked off a cab driver. <laughs> I don't. I, what? He, well, I have no idea what it is, but it's it's it is a fashion disaster. Absolutely, um, um, it's a brilliant pop song. Tom, you told me to because obviously I'm, I'm watching the performances of all of these, but you told me to listen to the recorded studio version of this one as well, and you said there'd be a very clear reason, and I didn't really get that. Or is that just what you're saying about that? The actual she could. Oh sort yeah, of no, sing it's on, on record. Yeah, on the on on okay. record, it actually sounds good, okay. and live is fucking <laughs> awful. Like, I guess is is that the QE two coming in, or is that Gina looking for a C? <laughs> it's, it's honking all the way through. It's yeah, it's ghastly. Um, but yeah, it's a brilliant song. Uh, number two, which is the the second greatest performance in the history of Eurovision, in my opinion, um, and I'm going to have to put a Euro trash warning on this one. Um, not a content warning, just a Euro trash warning. My second choice from the Ukraine, from Ukraine, it's not the Ukraine, we know this, sorry. From Ukraine, from 2007, was Verka Serduchka with Dancing Lasha Tumbai. It is pop techno with an accordion performed by a middle-aged drag queen wearing a shiny costume and a star on their head and dancing with much younger men and leaving two women backing singers to do all the actual all musical performance. Uh, singing lyrics that make no sense in any of the three languages the song is performed in. And uh, th there are two unnecessary key changes, not just one, the two completely unnecessary key changes. There's an end that is actually announced at the end. It's like, oh no, here's the end. Um, it's like they were targeting me personally and saying, Tom, we want to push your phone bill up this month. Can you please vote for the song or not? I fucking love this song, and I'm still angry after 15 years that this did not win. I think it finished second. It got something like 235 points, and the winner got 250. And I'm still furious. Even if it did lose to a queer singer, because the, the winning entry was from Serbia, and it was just the, the most boring song I've ever heard in my life. It's really bland, and apparently that's really popular in some parts of the world. Um, this was, on the other hand, a mega insane tune, and I think you're both going to tell me to fuck off and tell that this is awful. This, like... You like this, ironically, right? No, I think it's well. So there is an ironic element, but also I have listened to the song just on its own merits to say, taking the kind of the novelty value out. Do I actually think this is good? No, I actually think this is good. Hmm. Um, okay. Yes. Well, uh, go on, Matt. Oh, I was just going to say, like, as soon as I put this on. I just nearly pulled out of this whole fucking show. Um, I, <laughs> sort of, I, I thought that what was it your number four? Like Goashon would be like the weirdest thing that I saw, and then you put this in. Like, I don't know, man. It feels like this weird fucking acid trip. Uh, 
like the whole thing is mental and then the guy just like at the end goes around smacking everyone on the ass it wasn't quite weird enough up until that point I, I can't honestly remember much about the music because I was just like so encaptured by trying to work out what the fuck is going on in the performance um yeah I very strange, Tom. Very strange. Of course you like this. Yeah, I mean, of course you like this, Tom. Of course you do. I, I fully believe that you like this, unironically. That... Of course you do. Of course. Um, I mean, this is like Ramstein if they were the Seven Dwarfs, isn't it? Like, that's what this sort of reminded me of. It's like Munchkin music crossed with Ramstein. Um, crossed with Timmy Mallet and Dame Edna. Yeah, it's good to see Divine keeping well in 2007. I mean, this came second. I mean, good for them. Absolutely ridiculous shit. I don't know what uh, what I need to say about this, really. Like, I mean, this, again, I, I couldn't for the life of me believe anything would be sillier than the Muse album this week. But yet, here we have it. This is, you know, proper kind of Eurovision. This is sort of what your brain thinks of when people say, think of the most absurd thing that's ever happened in Eurovision. Um, I don't want to listen to it myself personally, but it's totally inoffensive. And um, like, I'm not annoyed. It's, you know, this is not this has not been written so someone can go, uh, you know, I want to write a great song. They've written it because they've gone, I want to make people remember me at Eurovision. And we do. Yes, and Verka is repeatedly brought back for like entertainment value years down the line because it's that fucking weird person who did that really like bonkers song that you know should have finished after about forty five seconds, but somehow they dragged out for two and a half minutes. Like that has become almost like the meme person that you put any time you want to elicit a cheer from the audience, you just get Verka Saduchka to put the costume on and turn the camera on to them because it's going to be a cheer. I, I but I genuinely love the song. Initially, I liked it for novelty value, and then I went, I've kind of got that song stuck in my head now. I think I might really like it. That's, I mean, it, it is so awful, I think it's good. Um, moving on to something that I, is definitely not ironic, and I do just like because I think it's brilliant. Uh, my favourite Eurovision song of all time, and I'm including ABBA Waterloo in this, is from Sweden in 2012, Lorene with Euphoria, which followers of Eurovision will know incredibly well it's one of the most popular songs that's ever to come out of the competition probably the last really enduring song that people have kept going no i love that um i think there might have been one there was one a bit after with uh was it um what was his name morns ramelow or something like that it did a song called um heroes uh that, that the last but one uh, yeah yeah, yeah yeah um it is absolutely epic it is this kind of euphoric pop house number. It is ridiculously overblown in the stage performance because there's one wind machine. Yes, more of them, please. That's brilliant. Two, you've got this this like it's like someone pressed fast forward on Tai Chi is the best way I can describe the dance moves. Um, and then at the end, there's a backing dancer comes on and appears to be doing moves from Kung Fu Panda, and it's really odd. Um, why is she barefoot? That, I mean, given that you know that must have been a quite chilly stage, given because there was a wind machine blowing, and it's a sound stage, so there's no way that's going to be remotely clean. She must have had to come off and immediately stick her feet in a bath. Um, it is a absolutely preposterous 
performance that ends with fake snow. But it's just a brilliant pop song. It is a memorable performance, partially because of the setting, but also because he's a fucking great singer, singing a fucking great song. And it won by an absolute landslide because it was brilliant. Matt, you must like this because this sounds right up your strata. Um, I have actually seen this performance before. Um, I, I don't know why. I can't believe it's been 10 years. I thought it was only like, I don't know, five or six. Um, it is, like you say about the wind machine, it just everything is so intense. Like the lighting, everything. She looks so serious. And yeah, this I remember this like being played on the sort of radio, um, like you know, probably charts and whatever back in back when it was uh, when it was released. Uh, for some reason, it still gets played a lot in gay clubs. So I've been told. Um, yeah, it is a bit of a banger, isn't it? Like, yeah, it, like you it, like you've never been. No, it is. Um, it's no Elena Sagrini, but you know, I'll take it. It is better than the track Euphoria on the Muse album. So, you know, I like it. Yeah, I mean, look, the performance is great. I, I'm, I'm not like it's a big dance Euro trash power ballady sort of thing, right? Or Euro trance, I should say, not trash. Um, yeah, that sort of thing still. Like when I talk about the '90s sort of dancey stuff, I can, um, I feel quite nostalgic for that. The sort of late twenty, the sort of early 2010s, late 2000s. Uh, dance style I feel less sort of interested in um, and for that I'm like this is a decent song I think that's because you want tw- that's because you weren't 21 years old and clubbing anymore exactly I think that's probably what it was yeah um, I wasn't 21 in the, in 1995 Tom how bloody old do you think I'm not 50 for god's sake um, anyway <laughs> fucking hell uh, but yeah look I mean the wind machine the flat the, the, the flash dance of it all I, I think fair fucks like that's great you know, I think the performance is great. I think the song is 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 all right, but it, I'm I wasn't like absolutely blown away with the song. I've got to be honest. Yeah, I'm sort of with you. I don't like like you said about um, Steve's pick with Elena Tugger and something. Like I don't get why this is so like big to you. I guess it's it, it's partially because I remember it's one of the very rare occasions where a song won. I remember I remembered it from earlier in the show, and even though it wasn't necessarily my favourite pick on the night, when it won, I went, "Yeah, that's fair mm-hmm. enough. That is a brilliant song. It was very good. I kind of think it deserved it." It's, however, over the years, I became quite quickly aware that I listened to that song on purpose a lot, and that something I initially went, "Yeah, that's quite good," and then didn't expect to ever listen to again. I re- I then went back to and listened to again and listened to again, and it's now at the point where if I hear the opening like strange i just go ah <laughs> and i it's just become this like r- thing that makes me really happy it's um, it's kind of similar mood to when required it's it's bad but it's going to be fine so you know it's it's it, in terms of its mood it's very much me but it's also ju- it's just fun and over the top and overblown and i i will never forget the first time i saw that dance routine and went it's kung fu panda like absolutely it's it's someone trying to do these moves that look quite serious <laughs> but it ends up looking like a cartoon because it's just ridiculous and silly and it's 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 there's something about someone trying to do something that's incredibly serious that doesn't come across as serious at all that as long as it's still good can be quite endearing as long as it doesn't come across as like self-important wang like the muse as album as long as it comes across as this is silly and over the top 
No, like Fugazi. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're very silly, aren't they, Fugazi? Go on, carry on. But very over the top. They're so angry. Um, <laughs> it's not that bad, guys. It's fine. Just have a cup of tea. Um, listen to Lorene. You'll be much happier. It's just, it's it's the repeated exposure, kind of reinforcing the fact that I like it. It's it's there's a very big difference between something that you're really into once mm. for twenty minutes and then never listen to again, and something which you quite liked, and then your like for it increases every time you hear it because you chose to go back and hear it over the course of a decade. Now, it's and to, you know, as I say, if I hear Lorene, Euphoria start i am i just go into a happy place where i'm i know i'm about to enjoy the next three minutes and you know i'm about to enjoy the next three minutes is the type of my sex tape because i haven't done one yet today <laughs> i'm just kind of contractually obliged to well i'm glad you like it mate have we rounded up have we rounded up our top fives adequately and shall we move on to the bottom two because because i i'm i doubt i'm going to offend anyone with my pick and I doubt Steve is going to offend anyone with his pick because both of them are fucking awful and they deserve the kick <laughs> they're about to get um, we can, these are the what the fuck were you thinking moments it's not just songs that were bad it's just like what were you thinking uh, and oh good grief could we have just filled a seven hour special with these just from this year actually uh, this year was not a good, good Eurovision we, we've managed to pick out one each and, and just go with them though uh, what have you decided to ruin everyone's day with, Steve? Flying the flag by Scooch. The UK's entry in 2007. Absolute bottom of the barrel of our... There's a sort of that early to mid... I mean, when did it even end? There was a run that the UK had in the noughties, in that 2000s era, which was just bin after bin after like like raw sewage being continually yep. pumped into your face over and over again like abysmal yep. abysmal shit and the thing about the uk is right going back to bucks fears when i was like oh it just seemed kind of fun and happy and poppy and it kind of you know it was light entertainment and it was kind of family friendly and stuff this is when it gets to like a bit sort of too arch cynical it's gone from like spit the dog and Rod Hallinu to Ant and Deck and X Factor and stuff, and I just think we as a country cannot outcamp the Euro guys. We can't outcamp, you know, the 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 most Euroy Euro trash stuff. So why are we fucking trying with this absolute piece of shit? Like joint twenty second with nineteen points in two thousand seven, still got to number five in the UK singles chart. Um, and the performance is so plastic and it's so, <laughs> so much ooh, there's so much ooh misses on it which I fucking hate yeah. <laughs> well I like that and I still think it's shit would you like something to suck on sir and when she says I hope would you, you like some salty nuts yeah I hope you had a pleasurable journey and she just basically like gra- gropes herself when she says that and it's like oh come on don't make it like that and they are so 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 out of tune it is phenomenal like yeah. gina g sounds like fucking beyonce compared to these cunts <laughs> like i stick up for this type of music on this show all the time all the time i love pop music i love like bombastic 
incredibly over the top ludicrous pop music like five i will stick up for and bewitched in s club seven and you know I've, I've gone about take that and the sugar babes all the fucking time right great fucking band take that or a great of course band. they are uh, of course no, they are i'm with you on that one and bucks fizz seemed like it was this like i say some kind of innocent family friendly nonsense whereas this is like ibiza uncovered two for one like bottles of like down in fucking apple sours <laughs> I, like, I just just shit it's just absolutely it's just so shit it's just the idea it's why you saw doing a low hello and didn't get why those jokes work yeah it's it, it's it, it's they think we're not going to make a clever double entendre which you're actually going to have to construct and someone's going to have to deliver the punchline mm-hmm. well it's just we're going to say something that sounds like would you like some fillet show yeah rubbish it, that's basically all it is it's just like it, it's not kind of you know clever double entendres it's a i'm just going to whip my cock out and stick it right in your face and see if you laugh right it is it is john barrowman on the set of doctor who it is not Russell T. Davis's script. Right? Exactly the, <laughs> yeah. the, the comparison that I think is appropriate. I remember this, because the, this was when I was like my peak of Eurovision fandom. I was absolutely so into it that I was watching the competition to select the entry that year. Bloody and hell. I remember this being in the final two. Well, there was a certain controversy because they announced the wrong winner in the in the uh, uh, yeah. the final. Yeah. And they said they uh, and you had Terry Wogan and I think it was uh, Fern. Fern Cotton, not Fern Britain, I get those two mixed up. Um, not a fan of either. But you know, they were um, announcing it, and they both said different bands, and Scooch had actually won. And I remember thinking, actually, you know what? That could do all right, because it was, yes, it's shit, but it was entertaining camp shit, and at least the Germans might like it. But there were two problems. One, in the uh, heat, they... It, I presume it was pre-recorded because they could apparently sing and then they got to um, Helsinki and clearly couldn't, which is a bit of a problem. Um, two, they had all the jokes that they'd done in the semi-final, they'd just made much more crass and on the nose and it was much less kind of... It was so obvious that it was it was a knob gag. They weren't just mm-hmm. kind of trying to say it innocently and let you work out that it's a knob gag. They were just like, again... I'm not just going to kind of show you that there's a bulge in my trousers. I'm going to open my crotch and hold it open so you can have a good lingering look. That's kind of ick. And they're all kind of icky double entendres as well. They're not even good ones. They're fucking horny, horny lad baby on a plane, aren't they? That's what they are. Yeah, but, yeah, but horny gay lad baby on a plane, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of not exactly something that I'm... I'm in favour of the gay bit and in favour of the horny bit and even favor of, in favour of the on a plane bit. It's just you have to be like... I think I, it's it's what it's watching someone go to not watching a couple go off to the toilets to join the mile high club. It's watching them actually in the seat next to you join the mile high club. And you go, well, if you did it there behind a closed door, that'd be all right. But here, no, it's it's just kind of icky. And it and also, if, if you were going to do a novel, novelty entry, that was not the year to do it because Verka Serduchka was the same year. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, well, right. Well, we've got the drag queen with the star on their head singing the song with the accordion, or we've got the fucking... Or- orange man in a fucking, like, pair, like, Kendall trousers. Like, nah. And also, like, it's... it's it, If there is one nation in Europe where it's not going to go down very well if you do this kind of flag-waving nationalistic tab for me, and the song is called Flying the Flag, and the backdrop was the fucking... Um, Union Jack. Union Jack. And, and you go... That, I mean, one... 
you've, normally we get some votes from the Irish. Not that year. They're going to go see that and go, fuck that. And two, the rest of Europe's going to go, well, we don't mind it if t- if like a small country of two million people that's had to fight for their independence for 200 years does it, but not Britain. Go away. Mate. I don't want to get too political, but no. we don't understand in Britain that if we do the whole flag-waving thing, pretty much every other country in the world starts increasing their defence budget. <laughs> because it's just it's gone there is virtually no one left who we haven't been to war with and it, if you if we do the flag waving thing people kind of go that's icky and it was just a it, with hindsight one of the most grotesque misjudgments that the UK's done and I include some include sending Engelbert Humperdinck to sing that awful song yeah I mean look fucking stick it in there with Mr Blobby and the crazy frog and the fast food rockers that's what this I'd rather is, listen it? to both of those oh uh, yeah well mate I mean it's not good this it's not good but Matt you you I've heard you made a a little approving noise at the start of my rant there <laughs> I mean I don't know if I go that far but I, like, I remember um this performance and I don't know if it was like I saw it when it aired or if I just saw it after because so many people were talking about how weird it was. I don't know. I fucking think this is hilarious. I, I, I think that they know exactly what they're doing. I think they're sort of parodying Eurovision itself and they are sort of trying to get, <laughs> essentially, yours and Tom's reaction out of you. I think it's, it's quite clever. You say, oh, it's, it's not clever because of the, you know, euphemisms are, you know, very on the nose, but... I think they're doing it on purpose and I was I don't know like maybe maybe that's why they didn't get any points because they people took it as YouTube but I you know I might be very much wrong but <laughs> I mean look Mrs Brown's boys is trying to do what they do on purpose I, I think that you just look at and you know the proof's in the pudding with this one it didn't do very well hmm. um, I think most it's of cynical it, it is it's yeah there's something about it that just looks a bit like that you know when you're talking about um, uh, Vadushka, right, th- that is someone who is re- prepared to look fucking ridiculous, completely, and, and be like, how big can I make this? How ridiculous? How absurd can I make this? I, scooch think they look cool. Deep down, they think they're, oh, we're pop stars. We're like steps. Know. We think we look, like they do. They think, look at them. They're pretty, you know, they've got their fucking hair done. They wouldn't be like, if they said, oh, you know, we want to dress you up like um, uh, a piece of shit, a used tampon, um, some vomit, and... Dusting the chicken. <laughs> Dusting, yeah, do you know what I mean? They'd go, those people in Scooch would go, no, 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 dress me up in a cute little um, air hostess uniform. It's, they're not willing to be, like, the butt of a joke. They want to be like, ha-ha, I've got nuts. But they don't want to be the joke. They don't want to be, like, they're fucking, now. Nah, fuck these people. <laughs> fuck these people. They're laughing at Eurovision, not with Eurovision. Exactly no, right, yeah. And people mm. saw, people saw like, through it. Did you say and this was 2007? They, yeah, so yeah, I was... Yeah. I was like 10 at the time and because of that I didn't really like understand the innuendo sort of thing and then this I would hope not (laughs) so like going back to it you know yesterday or whatever it was like 14 years later you know the first like 30 seconds I'm like okay this you know it's one of these again and then it gets progressively horny as it goes on and yeah it just all sort of came to me because I I remember the lines but I just didn't think anything of it as a child (laughs) and I'm like fuck me (laughs) It's the, it is the that's the kind of a lower low thing though, right? Because a lower low was some was a, a UK comedy for anyone who hasn't heard it. It was a UK sitcom about the French Resistance in World War Two. That was uh, it was a farce, a kind of blue, quite a blue farce. But it was it was on very early in the evening, and what, the way they got away with it 
with being on at that time, at a time when kids were up, was that all the jokes that were actually quite profoundly sexual, no one under the age of about 15 would have got because they're kind of... There's kind of things that you have to have a lot more knowledge about sex than very young children have to actually even realise that's about sex because otherwise you just think, oh, that's just a, a joke that's about That's panto, sausage. though, isn't it? And, hmm. But it's kind of panto. But panto is... Panto is looking at the adults going, you get this, but the kids won't, right? Scooch is looking at this and going, you're going to have to shut the kids' ears when this is on because you are absolutely going to have to... Exp- explain what that was because there isn't a a joke which is superficial Mm. enough for young children to get it's just it's just a would you like something to suck on like what Mm. Uh, and you're gonna have to try and explain that to your seven-year-old and you're not gonna like that and there's something really icky about that and it's there's a big difference between the clever smutty innuendo and the really like the one that's not smutty innuendo at all it's just a shoving a coffee yeah you wouldn't go if you go you can go to Panto and be like, "Here's the oh, Widow Twanky, you've got a big cock," <laughs> and everyone would be like, "What?" <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? You just wouldn't do that. But that's basically what Scooch yeah. are doing. But that's, I guess, that sort of thing as well because it is so over. I guess I was just like watching it yesterday. I was so surprised that they got away with this. Like, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't feel like this would pass. Like in 2022, I'm not sure that they could get away with doing that. Let's hope not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Um, but what does pass in 2022 is my load of excrement moving on from one load of complete shit to another load of complete shit. Uh, I've gone for foreskin. Sorry, mourner skin. I always get that confused, partially because the words are so similar, and also because their music is absolute cock. Um, yeah, my choice is, is mourner skin. Uh, Ziti Ebuoni, which was Italy's entry for 2021, and somehow I still don't understand how this fucking won and the band have become massive. And I, I, I'm sorry, a line has been dr- occasionally someone gets successful and going, no, I'm gonna, I, this is one hill I'm willing to die on. Like this is the one time I do care that they're getting big because I can't just not listen to them. I cannot avoid the fuckers. Right? One, how the hell did this win? This is not a good song at all. It's like budget white stripes but if jack white had never written seven nation army right if it's actually it was worse than that it's it's those people who who like sing football chants to the tune of seven nation army in the style of seven nation Ooh, army like but that. with a tune which is much less memorable right like this is these are this is like the away end at fratton park with a load of fans who have no imagination and can't sing right it's i don't care how many times they snog each other on stage and I did appreciate the gen- the gesture foreskin. I I like that you're trying to say, yeah, we are being broadcast in several countries where that are really homophobic, so we're going to have two guys getting off on screen. I appreciate that, but could you do it with some good songs? It's it's just so awful. The one redeeming feature was the moment on camera during the um like the results section when the camera went to to foreskin and the the singer looked like he was snorting something off the table that was quite identified that was quite funny um they're a bollocks band though and they've also come across really really badly recently pulling out of reading and leeds to play an awards show getting replaced by charlie xcxo mate yes i'm going to reading (laughs) and i've got charlie xcx instead of manaskin yay so i'm happy with that okay that's better um but yeah i say this without irony that is not metal 
right? Genuinely, that is not what heavy metal's about. Steady. That is sucking the corporate teeth. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Sorry, I, 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 know, I get on my horse about this band really quickly because they are awful and they are a terrible, terrible representation of what metal's about. And yet they're the one who are thought of as, oh, they're that metal band who won Eurovision. I'm just like, oh, fuck me, senseless. No. Sorry. <sighs> Someone could come in. And, and uh, I was going to ask you what your beef with this is, to be honest, because I think this is perfectly acceptable, stompy so. kind of indie, hard rock riffing. I mean, I don't really see what is so bad about this, to be honest. It's just the rock song. I mean, they're, I think they're better than Greta Van Fleet, who I think are, you know, a similar sort of thing, just a, you know, a retro rock band. Like, I don't love it particularly, but I don't think it's anything to get particularly annoyed about. I mean, apparently it's the first Italian language song to enter the UK charts in over 30 years. I don't know what the last one was. Maybe it was uh, Ash Shut Up Your Face by Joe Dolce. <laughs> oh, what's the matter, you? Hey, that's probably what it was. Um, which actually I do think is it's probably better than this uh, Maniskin song. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I don't, um, uh, I, you know, I don't really know what your beef is with this. I just think it's a, a total kind of five out of ten rock song. Matt? I think you're overscoring it by about four points there. Well, no, I mean, not am I? Because it's not. Yeah, yeah no, I was just going to say, like, um, I because obviously this is the in the what the fuck were you thinking section right yeah i just don't really like this is pretty standard no and like by the standards of this list it's very normal um i'd never heard this yeah i quite liked it not gonna lie like would i go and see them in concert no but would i turn it off no oh but you're not gonna you're gonna struggle to avoid them that's the thing that, that that's why well, he hasn't so being. far yeah <laughs> I mean, you would surely if you're going to struggle to avoid them, you'd have struggled to avoid them for the last year. I mean, I I, I saw it and I this I put it on today, and it's the first time I'd listened to it in God knows um, uh, God knows how long. So it's how well it's done, it's how well it's done, and how big they are, and how unavoidable their name is, and I can't avoid seeing and hearing their music. It's how big they've got off of being so fucking average. But because they were the right band in the right place at the right time, they won a competition. Now, it was a weak competition that year. Mm. And that, apart from, obviously, Goa, who are brilliant. Um, Is that not true of, like, Royal... You could say that about... We could say that... You could say about Royal Blood. You know, you could say that about Kasabian. I mean, I actually quite like Kasabian. Yeah, no, I would say exactly the same thing about Royal Blood. Awful, awful, awful I don't band. think Royal Blood are... An, like, really just the most... I don't, see, for me, like, I mean, we... No, but stylistically, there's nothing there. No, I, there's nothing to it. It's just kind of... Here is a really boring riff played 77 absolutely. times. But, but you know, like, that's, that's, what, um, that's what rock music sounds like. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what it sounds like. I think uh, Royal Blood are... Yeah, but I hate it. Well, that's fine. That's, the that's point. fine. You can hate. It. I mean, I've yeah, but hated you know, it. like I don't necessarily think that makes it sort of complete. Like this whole kind of what were you thinking? They've just written a like a, a pretty standard rock song and got quite big off the back of it. I mean, again, I think for me, like clearly, clearly, the image has played a massive part on Maniskin massive part because it's i can't the entirety. there's nothing yeah, else yeah 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 well you know like it's catchy enough in it and i think there are people who don't care about guitar music that would hear that but what that the riff is like it's sort of made that bong, like it's a sort of ho-hum fairly standard like 
dance rock guitar riff that loads of other bands have done but if you don't really listen to that sort of thing then you'll probably listen to that and go oh this is cool i mean i listened to it and i was like yeah like you know it, i would put them in the same category as a royal blood who i mean we we reviewed the last royal blood album and it, it's bad you know i've never really had much of a problem with royal blood before but i thought the last royal blood album was a very silly stylistic choice for them um but overall i don't really have anything any real st- i all they, they, they remind me Maniskin of a band like I don't know a lower than Atlantis or something like where you go I don't really like this but I don't really have any strong feelings about it at all either do you know what I mean like I've got I don't know what I'm meant to think about this other than oh look it's some rock songs yeah I, I guess I get really offended when I see something which is this fucking dreadful being seen, used as like the poster boy for, an in, for music I care passionately about with an entire continent. That's the thing. It's be- this has become the poster child for metal in Eurovision for the last 15 years, right? Because it, fi- it won 15 years after Lordy. And a number of things that happened. One, a load of really, really bad metal bands have been given uh, entries to Eurovision by their countries to try and win it. The fucking Rasmus were you know, hauled out of... They were... They were hauled out of a coffin and, and propped up to do Finland's entry this year. And the, no, they are exactly as bad as I remember. They have not improved in fucking 20 years. They are awful. Um, but it's, I hate it when something that is really shit is seen as the, like, the poster boy for our style outside of it, right? I, one of the interesting things about bands like... I think there could be a lot worse. Could there? Could there be something that's more anodyne that is used to represent metal? The Rasmus? No, the Rasmus are bad, but they're not anodyne. They're not just kind of... There's nothing to foreskin. That's my real problem, is that they're just... There's nothing there. There's nothing there apart from, like, a a, a distortion pedal and some nice leather trousers. That's it. I I would take this over asking Alexandria. I would take this over... Um, I, you know there's lots of the bands from that sort of thing you know the thing is is that the, the, the song is it's surprisingly what I will say to back you up a little bit Tom it's surprisingly uncatchy yeah there's nothing there it's surprisingly uncatchy for a song which kind of lives and dies on how catchy it is I think the only thing that is really catchy about it is that opening guitar riff because when i first heard it i was like that's not a bad guitar riff it's not a great one but i don't think it necessarily needs to be one i mean when you make comparisons with something like the white stripes i think this is quite different i think i don't think jack white ever set out for the white stripes to be this massive um stadium filling festival headlining band whereas i think Maniskin clearly are going we want that motley crew money do you know what i mean like that's what they are meant to do i think they are I think they are very definitely aiming for that. And the problem is, is whether you and I and three of us or whoever's listening, whether we like it or not, rock music has become uh, quite a niche genre at this point. You say it's been 15 years since anything. They were, you know, they're the first band to win it since Lordy. And certainly anything to do with rock, the last band anything to do with rock music. Like, we're going to have to accept that when rock music does go into more mainstream territories now these days, it's probably not going to be the best representation of it. We're not in, yeah. you know, 
the the 90s anymore where you know you could generally look at alice and chains and go they're the best band chains addiction are the best band I, and they're also i'm the not biggest asking band. for like, do you know what i mean i think those days are I'm gone i'm just asking it to be someone who isn't a poor, who isn't just incredibly like no personality in terms of the music there is no, like there is just nothing there like bring me the horizon are going to do it i don't mind even if it's doing this that their stuff that i don't really like for the simple reason that at least there's something there like even when they've done stuff that isn't for me i when other people have liked it i've gone yeah that's fair enough and there's a load of bands that you could mm. say exactly the same thing. I would rather have five. No, I wouldn't have Five Finger Death Punch. That's too far. But, you know, let's say that it was Five Finger Death Punch just with, uh, without the kind of radical Republican lyrics. I would, be, I would rather that because I do at least get why they're popular. They're awful, but at least I get it. And that there's a, you know, there's a, a kind of... Uh, it's not a, even a generation gap thing because there are younger bands that come along that are really popular that I go, yeah, that's, that's, I can see why people like that, even if it isn't for me. It is just, there is nothing there. There is no personality at all in the music. The personality is all in the costumes. It is, it is absolutely poison. I, I think that is just a really, really clear example of how the general populace feel about guitar music at this point. I really do. I, I think that says more about guitar and rock music's place within mainstream broader popular culture than it does about Maniskin particularly because I just think people look at that and they go the only thing I'm really willing to give that much of a chance to is this band who play this very kind of very quite rudimentary I mean again Greta Van Fleet are incredibly you know derivative and rudimentary of a time gone by when you look at all of the bands who have been pushed to great you know your shine downs your greta van fleets your five finger death punch your mana skins like those bands like, bring me r godsmack. godsmack like yeah you know like bring me r the exception to the rule that they are doing something which is you know like i i've again like you you know we've spoken about bring me their eyes and loads on this podcast and i think you know they've done some really great things they've done some very very questionable things they've done some outright quite crap things um, but I'm always sort of interested in them and what they're doing and where they're going to go. I don't feel like that about Royal Blood. I don't feel like that about, you know, insert generic metalcore band who are, you know, getting fucking lauded by other areas here. And I think it's just really because um, new ideas, are get, just like broadly speaking, new ideas in, in, in the wider sense are getting shut down and people who are looking for more experimental and interesting and things they're just looking at other genres and i just think man like rock music to to a kid who likes fucking dave and or the 1970 i mean the 1975 been around a decade now but like for a, for a kid who likes 100 gex or charlie xcx or like rena sawayama or whatever they're looking at guitar music and going oh that's that old thing so if they're going to listen to it, they're probably just going to listen to sort of quite a rudimentary old version of it a little bit. Oh, I'm. I think I'm. I'm not. I. Th I. Th I'd love to see some evidence that says that because I've heard some people who are who know way more about what the kids are into than either of us say that. Mm, that's they're probably not interested in guitar music at all. Most of them. my reading of of my. But here's the thing: I think we could be reading this entirely the wrong way because I've thought this a number of times. I wondered if the reason Foreskin were pop did well in Eurovision was not 
that people just want anodyne rock music. I thought, it, it, is it possible that they that that one because people wanted something that was fucking dangerous and that had guitars in it and actually there's loads of people who are gagging for some guitar music and particularly on the continent because you've got to remember music scenes are very very different across the world and that there are lots of bits of the continent where guitar music is still really popular and they're gasping for something like that in Eurovision and they just kind of seized the first band that came along who had a guitar riff and who looked a little bit dangerous and, and they thought mm, that you might have something about you maybe we should go with this and it just got incredibly popular really quickly and if i can't wonder if accessible rock music was presented in a way like that more often because it has such a hard time getting heard i wonder if actually there would be loads of people who went no no we'll back that we'll buy that potentially but, but i also think there's there's a bit of a stigma attached to it. i mean look rock music at the moment is like I think it's harder and harder for new rock band. I mean, we've had this again, a conversation we've had a lot on the show, but I think we've not had it me and you together or us three together. So it's probably worth saying it again, really. But like, I do think the interest in rock music in general, in the sort of you know, you had that storyline on Coronation Street recently. There was that thing in EastEnders where they were talking about Black Sabbath, and you know, Metallica have come off the back of Strange, and there is an interest in traditional rock and metal bands from that era. But I do think that people that it all comes back to ah remember the glory days of rock music remember the glory and so if a band comes along and sounds a bit like that and it's very very easy to just go yeah there you go like pupil slicer and not as much as it would be lovely to see pupil slicer subbing fucking do a lipper at reading i don't see that happening at any time and i think like people are more open-minded than they used to be i just think like rock and metal still does is a bit of an island do you know what i mean it still feels like a bit of an island and it makes it uh, there's uh, manaskin have gone we're going to the mainstream see you later we're going on eurovision that's what we're going to do um and i don't know how many other bands have or would do that so i think they and the ones that did like this year you know like you mentioned like the rasmus and that that's not it's not interesting it's not exciting like we could have could we have sent creeper to um to eurovision who fuck i don't know who knows i mean like you say i guess we'll never know but that would be my sort of my gut feeling is that maybe those things are playing a part i don't know what you think matt sorry we've steamrolled you there a little bit go on no it's weird. yeah i mean you say about the metallica stranger things thing and everyone's well a lot of people are sort of saying oh yeah that's gonna get a load of kids into sort of you know go down that track of discovering new metal and like not new metal but new metal and stuff like that and it's like i don't really think it will i think they'll discover other bands of that era and i genuinely think that having a band like Mornerskin is gonna <coughs> because they will appeal to younger people and they will you know get bigger um they have guitars in them which is more than can be said for most sort of mainstream music these days and i think that has a better chance of getting these people to find newer bands who also use guitars and then it sort of goes down from there than having fucking metallica that obviously doesn't make maniskin good but you know yeah no no it still makes but this here's the thing right if you're really into foreskin where do you go next what's your next like if, if you want that and you want some, something like that where's your next step royal blood yeah, and then kasabian and then white stripes and then the Datsuns? Oh, no, if, they're going Kasab- if they're going into Kasabian territory, then they've already... 
Yeah, I think that's gone backwards. But Royal Blood, I'll get with you because Royal Blood were they sort of crossed over to the mainstream. Like they were sort of from our world, I guess, and they crossed over to the mainstream easier. And they were sort of. I think it's easier to follow a path back from Morniskin to Royal Blood to then go into heavier stuff. Royal Blood, you know, there's loads of Sabbath stuff like that, which, yes, I know it's an older band as well, but then they they still have an influence on so much stuff these days that I think it would be much easier to find if you were interested in, like, Sabbath riffs and stuff like that, but more modern music. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, like I say, it's a long, old fucking road from Moniskin to Urn. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I don't even know if it's possible. I would just be happy if someone went, yeah, I'm going to listen to stuff that sounds like, like you know, even if they got as far as Lordy, right? And it, I just would... Uh, Lordy, for all the fact that that song is not the... Oh, Ghost? Best okay, no, but Ghost's a brilliant example. If Sweden sent Ghost in, can you imagine... Hmm. And particularly, you know, given how clever Tobias is and how good at writing pop songs he is and that he clearly loves pop music as well as he loves metal. If they could... If he wants, wanted to and Sweden was smart... They could fucking storm it. Like, the, the satanic priest comes out. I mean, okay, there's going to be some countries which will hate it, but you know, I think a number of them have been disqualified for the foreseeable future. But, you know, the you can see that that coming on and him being, like, dangerous and, and singing really clever lyrics and really good songs could have loads of people going, well, I like rock music now. But I, I, I guess my problem with foreskin is absolutely that it's so bland and anodyne and just has like at least bon jovi had some kind of dangerous edge to him right uh, it might have been one of the biggest artists in the world it might have been absolutely pop music but there's something there there's personality and i just it's it's the f- most fucking gray beige it's that kind of it looks like it's not a newspaper. It's a newspaper that has been in the gutter and got soggy and been driven over by a ta- by a taxi and is, has been kind of partially chewed on by a rat and is now just this kind of gelatinous, discoloured mess in the in the, the gutter. That's foreskin, right? It's it, it's not it's not even royal blood. Anyway, I've gone on uh, uh, long enough. I think we should start winding this up. Um, I. I I, I hope everyone has enjoyed this ramble through the history of Eurovision, but ended, ended up in, in a bit of a, a slightly more serious argument. <laughs> We've touched on a lot of things. We have, yeah. Um, uh, I, I, do you feel ready to pass your by-license test now, Matt? Or do you think you're still going to fail your, fail and lose your gay card? Um, I mean, it's been an experience, I'll say that. Although, what I will say, one thing, you bastards, you've made me listen to like all of this shit. You know, some of it's good, but... Like, neither of you have decided to let me talk about Tattoo, which, you know, they were in Eurovision, and Tom especially disappointed in you, because you know how much I love that band. Were they in Eurovision? Yeah. I didn't even remember that. Yeah. <laughs> when was that? They were. I, I nearly picked that, Matt. I nearly picked that. I mean, on reflection, you can put Tattoo yeah. in nearly instead of... Nearly not good enough, is it, Steve? <laughs> no, no, it's not good enough. You're right. It, yeah, I did look at Tattoo and I was like, oh, yeah, great. But I just, I chucked Buck's Fizz in straight away. And then it, later on it came to me. So, yeah, you're right. Um, we should have chucked, t- talked about Tattoo. <laughs> Although, not their best song, is it? Let's be honest. Well, no, but... <laughs> I, I, no, I'll take it. I swear, I had totally forgotten they did that. And if I'd remembered, I would have let you do it, Matt. I, I <sighs> Hand on heart. Yeah. Sorry. We'll give you some time to talk about Tattoo <laughs> in the next, day, next album for Matt. Yeah, I think that, though, is all... Because we have gone on and on. I think that is all we go... We haven't we? Bloody hell! Yeah. 
that is all we have for Hellbent for Riot Act 2, or Hellbent for Metal 89, or Riot Act 206. It's all getting confusing. Let's call the whole thing off. Uh, Hellbent for Metal will be back on Tuesday, fingers crossed, uh, with a camp classic from experimental post-metal slash industrial supergroup Corrections House, and we'll be talking about that time a parody metal band did something that was really not helpful to queer listeners. Um, I, I... and that's one of our regular Harmony Corruption features, by the way. Uh, Steve, I'm guessing Riot Act is back next Friday and we'll have some excellent stuff for your listeners. Yes, so um, I'm going to Reading this weekend. So theoretically, uh, there will be a Reading review and then something else. I mean, I know um, we were talking about reviewing the Demi Lovato album. Um, Rina Sawayama has got an album out as well. And Megadeth have got an album out as well. So it might be, you know, together at last, Demi Lovato and Dave Mustaine and the Reading Festival. So, yeah. And um, I did, should have mentioned before, patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. We haven't put anything up on our Patreon page for a while, but it's going to be, I'm going to put up a little bonus classic album this week, I think, this coming week on the, on the on our Patreon page. So um, we're going to be doing Three Feet High and Rising by De La Soul, which is a fucking incredible record um so if you're not signed up to that then why not sign up to it and why not go to arctangent.co.uk forward slash tickets put in the code right act atg and get 20 percent off of next year's arctangent festival that's me out i'm done thanks guys been lovely brilliant thank well hbfm listeners be sure to check that out steve it's been brilliant doing this with you and matt welcome back it's been so nice to have you back it's good to be back yeah it's been i've enjoyed it thanks i hope it hasn't been too painful being back and and having to talk about pop music and it's i know that's not really your thing already um no not at all but until we see you again listen to muse sorry steve i'm saying that Uh, listen to weather coven listen to soil work yes really and remember if we stand side by side it will get better goodbye goodbye Bye-bye. Réaume uni. Nil point.